Hello and welcome to Imp's LOP Radio Adventure, or if you're listening live on YouTube, this is LOP Live. Uh, yes, going out on podcast and on video at the exact same time. This time, we've actually gone out at the time intended, and uh, as Jeremy can attest, I have been just non-stop doing stuff for the last 10-15 minutes, <laughs> trying to get this to work, and it's all gone Imp, to plan. Imp, you are the, the hardest working man in uh, wrestling podcasting today. <laughs> By, by today means literally today. Tomorrow I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so today I've got on a very special guest. Uh, I've already introduced him by accident, but let's do a proper one. <laughs> Make it nice and formal. Uh, joining us all the way from the Keeping It Strong Style podcast on the Social Suplex Network, the specialist I normally bring in whenever I bang on about New Japan. I say whenever, it's been, what, twice? <laughs> so, doing <laughs> a <laughs> But yes, my guest, Jeremy Donovan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again, Imp. Yeah, I forgot all about the uh, Kiss Boys theme tune that I had last time. But I think I'll keep that, <laughs> keep that uh, in, the shed, in the shed. I'll keep that ready for when it's time to have Young Boy on as well. It was a mega special. Uh, so yeah. uh, before I do get into things here on LP Radio, uh, as announced by Jan Man and Jeff on their Dynamite After Dark show at the end of that, if you want to go listen to that one, I put it up on YouTube earlier today as well. But... Uh, the plan is for our coverage of Wrestle Kingdom here on Laws of Pain Radio is to do immediate live shows after both events. So not after just one, but on consecutive both nights, we're going to do live shows afterwards. For me, that's in the middle of the day. That's perfectly fine. I'll, I'll have my lunch, a lovely glass of orange juice and a cup of tea. <laughs> It'll be lovely. For the Americans, not so much. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. <laughs> they're not two young guys either. They're in the 40s and 50s, I think. <laughs> so it's going to be uh, quite the test to see how they do. I'm very interested to see how those guys do at like 5am in the morning or 7, whatever it is. I don't know. Vesa Kingdom might be slightly short. I've not actually thought about that in terms of because there's two of them, will they? Will the show be a little bit shorter given that they were, they're mega long normally? But with it split yeah. like this, will we get two slightly shorter ones or, you know, Wrestle Kingdom? No, we're going mental. <laughs> every year. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the cards end up being full length and what the times end up being. But yeah, those guys, they definitely need some coffee if they're getting up early to uh, do a review in those shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, a little forewarning, I do have a little bit of a cough. Uh, also, if you saw me on Twitter earlier today... Uh, the joke, I was not kidding when I said I'd be streaming live from Atlantis. The city centre's been flooded here in Nottingham. And, uh, like, I live near a nature reserve, or relatively near a nature reserve. And that normally, like, floods up and the roads get pretty bad. But the, the really bad one happened when I was young. So we built defences. <laughs> so it started, so it doesn't <laughs> happen again. It's amazing that when you invest in, uh, in, structural, <laughs> in structural issues. So, yeah. Now we've got we're perfectly fine. It's fantastic. It's it's great. We've got no issues aside from you know massive puddles everywhere. But yes, I'm lucky. <laughs> the other place in Nottingham was really bad, but it is Waterworld here. Is it who's in what was it? I've forgotten who was in Waterworld. Is it Kevin Costner? 
Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but before we move on, I, I got to know this. <laughs> IMDb. I'm halting the show to find out who was the lead actor in Waterworld, and I reckon everyone born in the... All the white people born in the 80s were able to tell me this. <laughs> I can't remember who it is. Waterworld. Kevin Costner. I'm bloody right. Yes. I can take my um, white person card back now. I remembered it. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, today we're going to be talking about uh, Vessel Kingdom specifically, kind of reception over here in the West to how the card's shaping up, with a little bit of information that I totally knew when Jeremy didn't suddenly inform me off before the show. And I was like, what? <laughs> so does that. <laughs> uh, also, the New Japan Pro Wrestling showdown shows that happened this past week. Uh, LA has not been... There's no sign of that being uploaded anytime soon, so I'm just going to ignore that one. But I did watch San Jose, knackered, after full gear, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, maybe I, I, maybe it was just because I was so tired, I was just like, oh, this is lovely. It's a nice, slow pace, but I'll, I'll see what uh, Jeremy thought of all the other matches as well. And that'll be our show. I will say, it sounds like a short card, but if you've ever listened to any of Jeremy's shows, or any of my shows probably not going to go that way we ramble <laughs> we end up on random topics <laughs> hey that's, that's how we podcast man we love to talk uh jeremy's show was three hours this week on the social suplex network so if you're somebody who needs a long podcast for a drive he is your man <laughs> or if you don't like listening to lord of the rings whilst you're watching it he is your man you could put on the uh, director's commentary and subtitle it because you're listening to jeremy and young boy <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Star Wars coming up there's all the different methods to watch it I think we just found the Kiss Boy run <laughs> for yeah. Star Wars yes. Kiss Wars yeah, the ki- oh Kiss Wars <laughs> yes, it does sound like a porn parody <laughs> that was my favourite thing from this week was uh, I say favourite thing <laughs> uh, was the it was everything that's happened yeah this was my favourite thing that uh, Disney were cracking down on all of the porn parodies of uh, the Disney assets they've now got. So that meant there was a publicly made list of all the fantastic puns. <laughs> which have been made <laughs> just like, yes. <laughs> As this is going out on YouTube, I can't say any of them. <laughs> but they are, <laughs> they are really funny. Uh, I'm just being, there's a whole new thing on YouTube now to do with uh, like child protection and stuff. So well, with every single video I've got to say, is this meant for kids? I was like, well, I've talked about porn in the first five minutes. Probably not. So, <laughs> so, so no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a solid though. Uh, but yeah, so, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes, I told you we'd go off topic. <laughs> it happens quite a lot. So, Wrestle Kingdom taking part on January 4th and 5th for the first time a double show. Oh, I came up with a special name for it, was it? Oh, Double Trouble Show in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> He's not going to say Double Trouble in Tokyo Dome, but he, probably, he bloody should. So I think last time I had Jeremy on, I was trying to make that point that um, I can't. When someone says Tokyo Dome normally, I'm like, oh, I don't like it because the only way I hear Tokyo Dome said is like New Japan Pro Wrestling narrator style. It's like Tokyo Dome. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the only way it should be said, man. Yeah, yeah. And now, if you don't say it like that, I'm keeping it strong style. You're letting me down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next week I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and it, and make sure young boy says it correctly every single time. <laughs> Just make, <laughs> it won't get on his nerves. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Wrestle Kingdom it was announced later. I let Jeremy talk about the thing that I definitely knew about, but I let him talk about it because <laughs> he knows more about it. 
But uh, it has been decided that it will be a double semi-final match. Double semi-final? It's self-explanatory. The semi-final matches will take place on the first night as the... I, I was going to say main events, but it's Jushin Thunder Liger main eventing that first night. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, Kazuki Okada versus Kota Ibushi will be main eventing for the IWGP title. Yeah. It's one of those where I was like, surely it'll be Kota Okada, but I didn't even think. It's like, oh yeah, suddenly there's that star-studded... I say it's star-studded to people who watched before this generation. Because <laughs> like, to a lot of the modern Western, uh, Western fans, it's going to feel a lot like of old guys you don't know. Whilst I'll be right. there, I'm there like, oh, I know him. Or somebody's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't recognize your name, but I know your face. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, and, yeah. and that match will be fun. And, you know, I'm happy Liger's getting some uh, time at the Dome. But, uh, you know, as far as match quality, you know, th- that match would, would not be the best way to end off um, night one Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I'm thinking a bit far in the past when they did those kind of special tag matches, they would main event. But that was a different era. That was Young Boy's favorite era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not not mine. I'll be perfectly honest, <laughs> but it is a is a past era. But now the focus is on the current stars of Okada versus Ibushi on the first night, which is the G One Climax match, which I really really liked when that was announced because the briefcase is for January fourth, so they haven't changed that. I kind of like that. It's a weird little keeping to traditions type of thing, even if it's a fourth and fifth. And the other matches for the IC title with Jay White defending against Tetsuya Naito. The winners of both of those matches would advance to the fifth in the ultra main event, the ultimate main event of Wrestle Kingdom for both the Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championship. And there were some interesting statements made by the four competitors involved. Okada was the one that stood out to me in terms of the future of New Japan, how like his intentions and what could kind of happen with the belts afterwards. Uh, I don't know what the others are going to do. Jay White comes across as a guy who'd like to be draped in, in as much gold as possible, even if he's not defending it. He doesn't care. <laughs> he wants to be draped yeah, in IT and every rate. I feel like Jay White uh, wants to picture himself like Ultimo Dragon and just have like 13 belts mm. just strapped all over him. Ultimo Dragon. Uh, Austin Aries in TNA. Oh, those. <laughs> 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 Uh, wait, sorry, no, Impact Wrestling. Where he was draped in all of the indie belts. Yeah, when he was doing his uh, belt collector gimmick. Yes, good gimmick. Shame the way it ended. But uh, in in deciding this, uh, Jeremy's got some information on a certain poll that took place that I completely forgot about. So quickly informed by the poll, because it's not that long a story. Yeah, so they um, put out a poll after Power Struggle to the Japanese audience, and uh, they had a, an app called Line that you would download and cast your vote in. And I don't have the exact numbers on me right now, but the uh, majority of the uh, Japanese fans voted that they were interested in seeing the double title match at the Dome. Um, there were a few fans that kind of you know voted no and were concerned because they, they wanted to see... The, um, they didn't want to see the IC belt get unified into the IWGP title. They thought the IC title has a lot of history and it's a belt worth keeping. Uh, but the majority of the audience, um, they were excited about the double title match and they want to see it, and that's what we're going to get. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, yes, I did forget to switch the image, but now I've done it. <laughs> <What is it>? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't know why Jeremy talking about the poll reminded me. Yeah, so, uh, oh, I could actually search the actual percentages uh njpw wrestle kingdom 14 poll 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 double dash gold double gold dash does it say oh it just says it's open on this one oh, i'll have to go I'll have to search 
somewhere. Oh, I can't be asked. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the uh, I'm assuming the results are on something somewhere, unless New Japan just announced the winner. Uh, after I completely missed that this was happening. If you hadn't guessed by my the way I've introduced this, uh, so uh, yeah, it's, it's nice that they actually because uh, I saw that there were talks of them doing the poll. And then I kind of tuned out, went to AEW, and then watched Showdown with no knowledge <laughs> this is actually being guaranteed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's kind of interesting, given the um, reception in Osaka, where it was not exactly met that well at Power Struggle. Uh, my, I think I asked a question for keeping it strong, so I can't even remember now. Sometimes I'll type a question and go, oh, no, it's crap, and then just delete it. <laughs> 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 so I can't remember. I think I asked it, but it was the point of, uh, do you think that there was quite a big contingency of fans that don't really want this, or was it just Osaka? Because Osaka aren't really, you know, Tokyo cheer for everything. They are a very, they are very vocal with what their opinions are. Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I don't. I think part of it was the Osaka crowd that night at Power Struggle, and part of it, I think, was just how the angle was uh, kind of set up. I mean, you had the four guys just kind of came out there. Just kind of standing around, and you had Okada, who's kind of like, you know, why are we even doing this? Like, I'm the IWGP champion. I have no interest in winning the IC title. Like, why would I want that belt? And so you have the top guy in the company, the champion, that's not even interested. Um, then you have Naito, who's, you know, not been having a great year, um, barely has a winning record, has been losing a lot of big matches. I mean, he's still over, but it's kind of like, all right, now he's in the situation. And then you have um, Jay White, who all the fans hate, and, and Kota Ibushi, who's just kind of like standing there with his briefcase, smiling. It's like, uh, what's going on here, guys? There wasn't a lot of like really hype. And then Jay White just told them all to leave, and they left, and he got his confetti and then faded black. So it was just kind of, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where you it would have been great to have a script <laughs> and kind of give them got those guys some guidelines of what you wanted to get over instead of kind of having that like awkward ending. Uh, if they were all a little bit more like hype into it, if there was some kind of brawl at the end, I think um, the Osaka crowd might have gotten a better reaction. And as we're uh, we're regularly watching AEW, like brawls, they are in right now. They're in style. <laughs> every single week, there's a brawl on AEW. Like, guaranteed. <laughs> it happens every single time. Uh, but yeah, I do kind of agree that it was a little bit... It wasn't... Because I saw somebody go, oh, that was Naito, uh, was it 2013 that he walked out? Naito, uh, 2013 bad. And I was like, no, <laughs> it was nowhere near that bad. Uh, so it... I found the uh, the numbers from the, oh. uh, the poll. So there was uh, 15,952 that said yes and 9,055 oh. that said no. Okay, so it's not quite Brexit vote, <laughs> but it is relatively close. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably. I don't know why I thought it'd be closer. I don't. I don't know why about. Maybe it's just because like in the world that America and England are living in, every vote is close now. <laughs> but it felt. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's more decisive than I thought. It'd be which is kind of a good sign going into the Tokyo Dome because there might have been a bit of a worry after when they did it when they announced the vote and the crowd at Osaka were like, nah. <laughs> but yeah. to actually yeah. uh, see those numbers be quite like that, that's a lot more that, that reassures quite a lot. That, yeah, you know, they they have been pushing this idea for majority of the year. You, you had Naito kind of be the guy that started off wanting to be a double champion. And throughout the year, you've had other people kind of jumping on the bandwagon, Jay White, even Tanahashi, Sabre. You've had several guys mention that they want to be 
um, double IWGP and Intercontinental title. So they've kind of been planting the seeds and mentioning it over and over again. So um, not completely surprised that a lot of fans were kind of interested since it's been mentioned so often. Um, just that that angle at a power struggle just wasn't the best way to really uh, get it over. Yeah, I've waited, adjusting my levels a little bit because I'm a tad quiet. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's been a, it's a good measurement. When you do these kind of measuring sticks, you are taking a little bit of a gamble just in case it's a blatant telling of what 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 have you done? Has it worked? Where there's a reason WWE don't do Cyber Sunday anymore. <laughs> Any, anything like that? <laughs> uh, yes, I know they were. Mo- it came across as uh, most of those were fixed. I wouldn't be surprised if they were mostly fixed. But it's still taking a little bit of a risk that like you get something completely random, or the person you think is over isn't over, or where you wanted to go with it actually is not where they want to go. But uh, as we saw, well, because that, that, I love how they've kind of taken the last vote and used this in here as well. Um, it's basically just Okada taking the piss. <laughs> I was like, hey, didn't we, have, we, had, we had one, didn't we, Naito? <laughs> we had one in the I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's gone in their favour this time. And uh, the what I've seen, what I kind of wanted to take this as well, but given the title, which I uh, can easily say, the Vessel Kingdom Western Woes. Oh, I still struggle. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the woes that we've seen over here from Western fans in terms of it. So we've, all, we've just talked about the Japanese fans and kind of the overall feelings there. But with the West, the people who didn't get to vote on it, um, it's, it's weird. Like, the people I know who have watched New Japan long term like, don't really mind that much. A lot of the new fans aren't exactly high on it. And when I say new, uh, I'm talking t- two or three or less. They're not really, not super new, but I mean not old enough to have uh, been pre... Oh, I think. Not old enough to have still been watching when it was still Tanahashi's era, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, cause, uh, if I'm right, you started watching like towards the end of his era. As in, like, before Okada started winning at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get my mask quite right. Yeah, yeah so, uh, a few of the... Because, of course, I'm on Twitter all the time. And these, those are the kind of views I see quite often. Is that the longer someone has been watching, the more faith you've got in Gato. <laughs> it's just right, like, yeah, yeah. In Gato, in Gato we, trust. we trust. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, the long-term fans are like, in Gato we trust. <laughs> well, short-term ones are more like, oh, I've seen him make some issues. Shut up, he doesn't make issues. He's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> uh, I think it's more that we've kind of built a, a trust in Gato, and whenever there are signs that you might be breaking that trust, someone, like a newer fan um, is a lot quicker to, to, to notice it, whilst uh, someone like me would <laughs> just be like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like, I believe in. I believe in Gado. It's a religion. <laughs> he is. <laughs> don't insult my religion. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's like blind faith in Gado from my part, just because I've seen it play out so many times. Like the big one was a big one where it's before a lot of the nowadays fans were watching when AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, Shinsuke Nakamura, Luke Gallows, when they all left, the there was a lot of talk on Twitter about how on earth are New Japan going to cope here. Like, surely the rest of the year is going to feel like nowhere near as momentous and Wrestle Kingdom, when we get to that, will be much, much lower. Uh, come Wrestle Kingdom, no, like, Okada felt like an absolute megastar going into his match. And I think they did... Oh, God, what did they bloody do after that? Or was that uh, Kenny Omega as well? I'm having a yeah. complete brain fart. Yeah, so once you had, like, AJ and Nakamura leaving, you had the... 
the rise of Kenny Omega and, um, you know, the Bullet Club really, you know, breaking into pop culture and going into Hot Topic and getting Funko Pops. And uh, so kind of riding that wave of momentum, you had the, kind of the beginning of the Western expansion. We had those um, those Long Beach shows. Um, so with those guys leaving, I mean, Gato does a great job and New Japan overall together does a great job of this kind of elevating guys once guys leave and um, just creating stars. And that's how they've been able to survive. They once a star leaves, they get the next guy ready and create him as a star. And it just keeps they just keep pushing stars. So um, like you said, man, once you with Gato in charge, I mean, you, you might want to call it some people might call it blind faith, but um he really hasn't made many mistakes since he's taken over the book and um, the booking and the long-term story planning and the matches have just all been phenomenal. And so, you know, if we do get like another mass exodus this year, I, I have, you know, full confidence that he has guys lined up that he's going to elevate. And I have full confidence in him that this whole um, dash for the double gold is going to work out. Uh, just Gato, just uh, just leave us with Shooter for as long as you want. Like it's fine. He can be on a multi-year excursion. Yeah, fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his git. As soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, he's got Tanahashi's swagger already. Love him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he was uh, he was doing the uh, John Moxley pose in his yes, entrance. Him, that yes. was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it comes up with Shooter and it's a gun. I was like, oh, it's yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, we, we got Shooter. It's fine. Um, I was going to go off on another tangent there, but like, no, talk about Kawato when he comes back. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, it is uh, with. So I've seen quite a few of the West Fairs, not quite because the first test, I think, with uh, a lot of the more with people who came in with Kenny Omega, the first Gado test was Naito losing the year after, after the mm-hmm. G one, and they kind of went into that. And uh, assuming you were the same as me, it's like, no, trust me, he's going to win it eventually. They'll build back to it. It'll be fine. He's going to get his moment. And then he lost the G1 last year, next year. And it's like, it's still fine. (laughs) He's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, on our show, we've been trying to um, keep the LIJ fans from jumping off the ledge. Because for years (laughs) on our show, we're like, guys, it's okay. You can breathe. Naito will get his moment. And he lost at Wrestle Kingdom. It was like, guys, I know it was a big loss. He'll be, he'll, it's gonna be fine. And now we're just getting to that breaking point. It's like if Naito does not win both titles here, it, it's gonna be some serious heartbreak. I don't think we can, you know, hold him off the ledge any longer. Uh, they've been building this for so long now, and you know, a lot of the feedback that I've been seeing from people, they're fine with the double title match, but they're questionable of why naito is in the situation based on the year he's had and um you know a friend of the show uh chris samsa who's been doing um new japan stats for uh kevin kelly and voices of wrestling um he released like his big doc on sports of wrestling.com last week and looking at the win-loss records i think naito's like singles record was like something like nine and seven or something like that when you have other guys who have way better records and have had better years, it's like, okay, why is Naito here? Uh, you know, he hasn't won a lot of big matches. He he lost to Tai Chi and guys like that in the G1. He lost the IC title twice this year. He lost it to Ibushi, lost to Jay White. Um, so he just, they've really taken Naito down to the very, very bottom. And he just kind of feels out of place. It's kind of the the feedback that I've been hearing from people. 
But, I mean, that's the overall story they're trying to tell here. I think they want to break Naito down as low as it can get because he is going to walk out January 5th with both titles and have this big redemption story and finally be able to beat Okada in the Dome. Yeah, he's so yeah, he has been feuding with Ibushi and DY over the course of the year. But Naito feels like, out of everybody that is in this, he's in there more because he's Naito, if that makes sense. It's off his name and his popularity more than the other three who have earned their place in this four. Naito, I guess he lost to Jay White. Does he get a rematch? Has he had his rematch? Am I being stupid? I can't remember. Can well, well, New Japan really doesn't do like it, the quote-unquote like rematch clause. Um, usually, like title rematches usually end up happening like a couple months later when the former champion will kind of come out and challenge the current champion. Like we saw at a uh, power struggle, Naito came out at the end to uh, challenge Jay White. So yeah, so technically he hasn't had like a, a rematch yet. Hmm. So I'm trying, I'm trying to think. Surely there's a Gado way into this that makes sense more than I'm Naito, bitch. I'm in. <laughs> it's just... Right. Yeah, and I'm looking at the records now. So you have Will Ospreay. He's had 22 wins, 11 losses. Okada, 18 wins, 3 losses. Jay White, 13 wins, 5 losses. Tanahashi, 10 wins, 10 losses. Um, Shingo, 16 wins, 17 losses. Ishii, 10 wins, 9 losses. Sabre, 11 wins, 9 losses. Uh, You have a lot of guys who have more single wins then um, Tetsuya Naito only has nine wins and seven losses. Uh, so there are guys in that heavyweight division who have better winning percentages, who have had um, better years than him overall. It's like, why isn't a guy like uh, Ishii or Shingo or even Tanahashi, why aren't they, why weren't they considered for, you know, this double title match? Well, Ishii's not in because this isn't Rich Latter's pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if uh, Rich had the book, it would be uh, Ishii <laughs> walking out on January fifth with both belts. Uh, yeah, we're getting Ishii versus Abushi probably the main event. Like <laughs> Ishii's already champion. <laughs> <It's like> <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Naito he does feel like he's in there because like naturally his arc feels like it, mostly because like in terms of the keeping the Lij fans off the ledge. As we were saying earlier, Naito's arc to me screams that he wins this. It absolutely screams it. But you look at him physically; it's kind of weird. Like him as a human, his knees are crap. <laughs> he's in; he's not in fantastic physical shape. I don't know how a lengthy title run could we even work out, especially given like the length of this arc, the amount of time it's taken to build, and as a character for him to finally get to that point where he's popular enough and kind of together enough to be that champion. Physically, I'm not sure if he could like put on those amazing matches, especially following Okada, who still is in incredible shape and he's only in his early 30s. He's got like another decade in him. <laughs> this yeah, level, which is insane. Naito, I, think... I don't know if it might turn into a blip, which might be worse. Oh no, oh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, I think the thing that will help Naito is the schedule as a champion because hmm. uh, with, the, with the champion you know not every title fence happens every month sometimes it's like every other month or there's like a two-month gap in between title defenses and then he'll probably be you know hidden away in a lot of multi multi-man matches throughout tours um so i think with the way the schedule is set up um you know they will kind of hide him away until he needs to kind of come out and have um big title defenses 
but I could see him having like a six month or so reign. Like I could see him, uh, you know, probably dropping the title at Dominion. Yeah, that could make sense. I think yeah, a six month last reign because it's uh, that was the point at the when he lost against Okada. The reason he lost was because he tried to show everybody in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom that the Stardust Genius wasn't a failure, and that was when he. The, sw- the moment of the match, that's when it completely swung. That's what lost in the match, was going for the Phoenix Splash. <laughs> I want to say it was. It's been a while now. The thing I remember mostly well, from that I- was both their entrances. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they felt like megastars, but yeah. Well, I think the thing, too, he went for, like, he had hit a Destino, and mm. then he decided to, like, taunt and go for another Destino. Mm. And that's when Okada countered that Destino and hit the Rainmaker. Ah. If, I, if, I remember, if I remember correctly. Ah, right, yes. I know he he um, missed the Phoenix Splash as well, which didn't help. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he uh, in that moment, Naito lost the match more than Okada won it, which was kind of the, the narrative kind of... And then Naito had that really difficult year with Chris Jericho and kind of getting over the IC title and everything like that as well. So he's nothing... He's gotten over his struggles the past two years. And whenever a character does that, when they get over their struggles... That means it's time for the reward. Like uh, he's he's climbed the mountain. Now it's time to uh, kill the dragon. I don't know what movie this is, <laughs> but, <he's, laughs> but Naito has climbed that uh, that mountain. He's gotten all over all of his struggles and issues, and now Lij. Because for me, the biggest thing that screams why Naito's in here is because Lij's popularity in Japan is absolutely incredible. It is. Uh, would you say they're the most popular faction in wrestling? In Japan, oh yeah, hands down. Especially with um, you know Kenny and the Bucks and all those guys gone from Bullet Club. Mm. Um, even with those guys, Lij has always been the top faction, the top merch movers. Um, it's one of those factions where pretty much every single guy is mm. over to a top level, except Bushi. Like Naito's over, Evil Sonata, Shingo, um, you know Hiromu. All those guys are like beloved by the fans, and you look at the crowd. You see Lij towels. You see the the Naito teddy bears. Uh, people wearing bushi masks. Uh, they're definitely the you know the most popular faction. Oh, speaking of merch like that, I, uh, somebody made the point of. I feel like at Wrestle Kingdom, the match should be officially changed to Hiromu and Daryl versus Will Ospreay and Percy. <laughs> won't be they won't do that but make it official but for all the new japan stands <laughs> like yes <laughs> that's, the, that's the most important rivalry yeah. Uh, but yeah naito for me yeah the lij are so incredibly popular and it, and his character arc as well kind of feeds into that it's just like he is ready like as a character he's ready like ignoring the physical state of him like as a character, this is it. This is the moment they've been building up to. It just feels like it's it's weird that like his character arc doesn't fit with the rest of what's happened, which is why it could probably feel a little bit jarring. Like his his character arc, which has been going on for years, goes to this moment where he wins. But the rest right. of the world that's happened around him is it's kind of like he's forced his way in to continue the story rather than like it naturally makes sense and he's climbing the mountain again as G one climax when a kind of thing. Uh, it's a very different. He's starting off as the, I guess, the person with the least momentum going in, which could either backfire or work completely fine because, again, it's part of climbing that mountain, getting over that struggle. He's the least right. favorite. And, 
and to kind of kind of paint a picture for like um, WWE fans who might be new to New Japan, it would be kind of like if like The Rock had a bad year and they were going to do some big double title match at WrestleMania and he wanted in. Well, of course he's going to be in because he's a rock and he's like the most popular guy on the roster. It's That's kind of what it's like with Naito right now. Like, yes, he's had a, a bad year, but at the end of the day, it's Tetsuya Naito and he um, st- still a draw, still one of the most popular guys in the company. Yeah, I think if you do WrestleMania 2000, but The Rock doesn't win the Rumble, but he still gets in the match anyway. Like, Big Show actually wins. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not comparing Ibushi to Big Show, but it's a four-way that so works. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, Big Show actually wins, but The Rock gets in anyway. They can do, like, the convoluted thing they always do. But it wouldn't feel like The Rock had earned that spot, like, to the same degree, which is kind of like how I feel about Naito here. Like, it doesn't quite feel like, even though his arc... He should be here, <laughs> like for the year, right. years long arc. They six years long at by this point, like it one hundred percent. He should be here, but in terms of what's actually happened in twenty nineteen, doesn't quite gel and fit one hundred percent. But again, I'm willing to overlook it because again, in the grander picture, it does work, and in the right, uh, and when we watch it on rest, the night of Vessel Kingdom or the Vessel Kingdom's nights. I know I can just mentally just turn off all my woes. Because, again, in Gator we trust. It's happened year after year. <laughs> right, and yeah. come come January 5th, at the end of that show, nobody's going to be talking about the booking. Everybody's just going to be celebrating and happy that Naito finally won the big one. Um, we're going to have a new champion. It's going to lead to new title matches next year. Um, so a lot of people are just going to be rejoicing, and they're not going to even really even, you know harp on the fact that they that it didn't make sense for him to be there. And, you know, the whole Naito arc, that kind of leads into um, a tweet I saw today from our friend um, Chad Matthews, the doc, over on uh, Chair Shot Radio, and he tweeted, you know, sell me on this Wrestle Kingdom main event. Right now, I feel like adding a second match cheapens Ibushi for Okada, which would have been perfectly um, partly because it was going on last at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, feels like adding Charlotte to make the WrestleMania 35 headliner a triple threat. Um, and you know, Naito's arc is the thing that kind of trumps the Ibushi Okada match. It's like the whole the whole story here is Naito. That's that's the thing here. The story is not Ibushi Okada. And you know, these guys already wrestled this year in the G one and typically dome main events don't happen um, you know, in the year previous. So there's there's not really the story's not really between Okada and Ibushi. Like that's a small little kind of sub story, but that's that's just kind of uh, you know a roadblock. The whole the main um, story of Wrestle Kingdom this year is Naito's redemption. So I don't think you know having the double title match situation cheapens Okada Ibushi because that's not the main thing right now. Eventually down the line, I'm sure there'll be a story for that going into next year. But the story here is getting to Okada and Naito and Naito finally being able to beat Okada in the main event of the Dome for the IWGP title. Couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> yeah. Short term, the stories that like you've got a booty kind of building momentum, but I feel like his main event story is only just starting and the second part of that, well, first part was losing to Hiroshi Tanahashi last year. Second part was actually winning the G1 this year. 
the third part might be at some point winning the title, but it's not now. <laughs> like he's not yeah. winning it here. Yeah, so, and I think Abushi is going to be the next kind of redemption story for mm-hmm. next year. So I think Abushi, I think he's going to lose to Okada on the fourth. I think he's going to lose to Jay White on the fifth, and then we're going to go into 2020 with Abushi kind of being, you know, broken down to his bottom, and then we're going to have a, you know, a redemption story with Abushi. I can see him, you know, getting eliminated early in the New Japan Cup and having to kind of struggle throughout the year until. Finally, maybe G1 time, maybe he wins the G1 again, or maybe he comes, you know, in the final spot of G1 and just barely um, loses. And then he has to kind of earn his way into the Dome main event somehow next year or win a big non-title match at the Dome. Maybe he faces like a Chris Jericho or something at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15 to eventually kind of get himself back into momentum for the following year to get back in the title picture. Well, out of the like top guys, whilst uh, Jericho is a heel, Abushi's the only one left. <laughs> After he's done Hiroshi Tanahashi, that means he's done everybody like Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, Tetsuya Naito, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Kota Abushi's the last one uh, out of that kind of lot. I don't, he could easily end on Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like honestly, if that feels like a veteran versus veteran, that would be a really great way for Jericho to kind of go out at. Like a, just a massive match between two top guys of their generation, uh, but Abushi is that last one of the crop. Where if he is having that comeback year, it could kind of make sense. And it also something that Gary does like to do as well as that little pattern of mirroring somebody. Like we saw it in AEW, to be fair, with Kenny Omega going to Moxley's world after Moxley went to Kenny Omega's. It's right. That mirroring kind of booking of opposition. I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, Coach Ibushi has does go through Jericho in that kind of mirroring Naito struggle. Ibushi kind of does a similar thing. And, of course, Naito can tease him about that, in a way, because Naito overcame his... I don't know what could happen with Ibushi there. But, yeah, I d- it's this in this year. And there's, I saw a few comments about people... I can't remember exactly what the handles. I do apologise. But it was the fear that Coach Ibushi might get forgotten in all of this. Mm. But that's why long-term booking's great. <laughs> right. That's why we trusted and if, Gato. <laughs> and if and if you study the patterns that Gato has done since he's taken over, there's always a guy that he wants to push that he kind of breaks him down and does a redemption story. It happened with Okada. He had to struggle and fight to finally be able to beat Tanahashi in the dome. You know, they did the same heartbreak with him where everybody thought he was gonna beat Tanahashi in the dome and then Tanahashi, Tanahashi beat him. And he had to keep coming back and finally until they got to the point where he was able to beat Tanahashi in the Dome. Same thing with uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega had to um, struggle to beat Kazuchika Okada. And every time he got closer and closer until he finally got to Dominion of last year. And he was finally able to beat uh, Kazuchika Okada. So all these kind of top guys that that he has um, plans for... They have setbacks that eventually leads to the big moment when they finally overcome whatever obstacle it is for them to um, hurdle. Yeah, this isn't uh, Tenzan Must Lose from 2003, like kind of that era <laughs> of New Japan. That's a dated reference. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, where the person is losing, but there is a reason to it, which was the difference with Tenzan Must Lose, where Tenzan became super popular by this method but there wasn't any plan for him to actually win anything down the line. So, yeah, he just left. <laughs> but there was a plan here. <laughs> with, the, with the breaking down, as you said, with Okada, 
Like he left in tears, I think, after winning the G1 Climax. He still didn't win. So there's a little thing here with Kota Ibushi. The only thing that kind of throws it into the works a little bit is this year's also been a kind of a climb, but I feel like it's more of a climb to being a main eventer than being champion. Like, coming out of this Festival Kingdom, Kota Ibushi's a main eventer. Like, I feel like he'll be solidified in that and they kind of staple that home over the course of the year. He's not winning the title, though. That's still yet to come. Naito Stormy... He's been a ma- he's not just a main eventer. He's a megastar. His stable is the most popular one in wrestling. Like, he's absolutely huge. It's incredible. Like, in J- I can't really state this. I don't really know how to state this properly. But Naito in Japan for Western fans, he is like he is their Kenny Omega, I guess, in a way. <laughs> just the absolutely beloved uh, that king of the stable. So it's, it's Kenny Omega when he was in Bullet Club specifically, <laughs> just to make it work with Kenny Omega. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he is like the king of that stable, and he is incredibly popular. Their merch sells like absolute crazy. But his his arc hasn't been Naito becoming a main eventer. He's going into this already. That he and Nokada are number one and two, and they've already had their kind of Stone Cold and The Rock meeting. They've had the first two, but the second one they felt like absolute megastars. This one. This feels like they already are both megastars. They've already made it at the last one. This is, can Naito actually win? Can he do it? Uh, yes, surely he has to. Ibushi, yeah. it's just starting there. Yeah, if Naito doesn't win here, then I can see, I give people all the right to complain. Cause that, <laughs> that would be bad booking here if you don't end up putting the belt on Naito. I mean, it's the perfect time. The story is right there. Uh if they they can't wait any longer, like like we mentioned earlier, his body is breaking down. Um, if you want him to be in these main events and have these crazy matches, um, you, you got to do it now. Because if yeah. it doesn't happen now, I don't think he'll ever win the IWGP title again. And I think he'll just be kind of stuck in a Nakamura role where they're just kind of the IC champion, they're the most popular guy, but they never end up really having, you know, that IWGP title run that kind of defines them. Yeah, if he... The only positive I can see about him... like So this so far, this has been the reassuring, like, kayfabe Ray Cash. <laughs> it will be fine. Fine, Ray. <laughs> fine, man. <laughs> it's all right. But with... Um, the only positive I can see about that not happening, if he doesn't, is... Because he has dropped hints that he'd like somebody in LIJ to overtake him as leader... They could maybe use that to propel forward that idea of like the, uh, if he loses Lij, the rest of them rise, maybe, <laughs> or one of them rises, right. or we get heel Shingo, which I was like, oh yes, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I don't well, know. I don't, there, there, there's been uh, rumors that the plan for next year is for Evil to uh, break away from Lij and not uh, Team Sonata anymore and just kind of go solo. So I don't know, you know, something happens there, like. Night, like they have the Lij celebra- celebration, and Evil's like jealous and turns his back on Naito and kind of breaks off that way. So I don't know what how that's going to all play out. I like with, with the Evil when I was booking the uh, G One Climax, trying to predict it with Sir Sam uh, over on Lords of Pain. Shout out to you, Sir Sam. With uh, when I was trying to book Evil, I came up with the idea of because he calls himself the King of Darkness, but I love that well, if somebody called themselves the King of Gold. You know they've kind of got an issue, and they don't. The gold actually has control over them, not the other way round. I'd love it if that happened to Evil, where he calls himself the King of Darkness, but in the end it consumes him and becomes this really, generally he evil character. <laughs> and I was like, oh yes, I'd love that. That'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> it'll, it'll be more of an emotional kind of thing as well. 
and uh, that story is that it's the kind of essentially it's the brothers, but one of them goes evil. So it's quite simple <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if New Japan would go for a story that simple because they like to make it longer and kind of more complex than that. And then one time they were brothers, but he turned to the darkness. <laughs> it's, like, it's really cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> you say it like that. Uh, but I like the idea of evil as a massive heel. But then I also like the idea of heel Shingo just because of Dragon Gate. I've seen how great he is in that role. Um, but yeah, as you, like they're all beloved now. If Naito doesn't win, then that could lead to the really interesting story of the, the changing of the tide for Lij. Be it like they fall apart, or being uh, without Naito, kind of being a sturdy character, or if like they rise and overtake Naito. That's the only positive I can see in Naito not winning. But at the same time, you've kind of broken Naito's arc. And if there is one thing with New Japan, you could some people might call it predictable on the night. But you've done years of foreshadowing and building. It's where the arc is naturally going. So it'd be really weird to go against that. It doesn't really make that much sense to me. Like For me, the worst case scenario is Naito doesn't even beat Jay White. <laughs> Jay yeah. White versus Ibushi, I guess, in the main event. And I'm like, ugh. And, oh, Jay White got his win back over Ibushi. Oh, that's not what I want. <laughs> that would be like, the worst case for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I highly doubt that's where they're going to go. But I do think it is going to be Jay White and Ibushi in the non-title match on January 5th. And uh, Jay will get the win back. I think they are, they're telling a story with Jay White, too, with him having kind of these big moments at the Tokyo Dome. Um, last year, beating Okada in record time, 14 minutes at, at Wrestle Kingdom 13. And so I think he's going to have another kind of big win here on uh, January 5th to kind of keep that... Um, momentum going and there's a, another story that they can tell with you know Okada still needs to get revenge from that loss hmm. so the whole story of yeah. you know Okada losing on January 5th Jay winning on January 5th um, that kind of plays in their story and then you know down the line they could do a um, another Jay White Ibushi match or I mean excuse me Jay White Okada match at the main event of the Dome ah, they can, ah that's a shout yeah uh, especially with they could even do uh, Ibushi being too distraught to uh, like after losing the G, with his G1 climax win and after losing against Okada too distraught to truly focus on JY and all of the interference because that's pretty much guaranteed that will be taking place in that match. Uh, I like that story as well. It start it kickstarts Ibushi's redemption arc or like arc through his struggle as well. So yeah. I think the one thing I love about New Japan is we've, we've so easily been able to realise or give multiple stories to the characters because there's so many roads going in that coming out, like so many possibilities. Like even if one character arc is a bit, oh no, <laughs> a fantastic way of describing it <laughs> then. <laughs> but if, like, all four characters have got avenues to go and even if it might be on the night a bit, uh there are still really interesting storylines you can do with that regardless, just because of the long-term booking that's been set up. There are possibilities for every single outcome. But the big one that has been told is Naito. And one, one guy we haven't talked about is Okada, because he's, he's had his redemption arc with him uh, now at the point where every single night he rips off the disco pants and he's got the trunks back on. <laughs> and the crowd still pop for it. Which I love how that's been part <laughs> of his character. <laughs> Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okada's kind of become like the um, he's kind of like the most least interesting guy going into this story because he's he's been a champion. His title run hasn't been um, that great. Like he's had a lot of repeat 
tile offenses and he's had a lot of great matches but it's just kind of it's kind of been boring and then in this whole double tile situation he is the only guy out of the four who does not want to win both belts all you know abushi jay white and naito they're they want to be the first ever double champion they want to hold both belts okada's like ah whatever i don't care i already have the top belt i i don't need another belt so he's kind of he's kind of doing this because he has to and he he doesn't really have any motivation going into this, so it, it kind of makes him the the least interesting guy in this whole story. Yeah, he, his character at the moment kind of is he's the champion, he's the ace, he is the top dog. That's his character, and in terms of like a setup for Naito to overcome, yeah, that's perfectly fine as long as Okada doesn't win. <laughs> I'm fine with that character. So where does he go after that? I'm not really sure, but of course. That's where we Gado we trust. Like over time, we will realise that he has got something for him. But yeah, going in, he's over. He has overcome all those really interesting character issues, and now he is the ace. He, he can now when he goes Scooby Doo, we do. There's nothing wrong with him. It's just fun. <laughs> he's not cracking. <laughs> <laughs> like Rocky's safe. Your best, you you your boy's best friend, Rocky. <laughs> he's. he's <laughs> <safe>. <laughs> Well, I noticed how uh, Rocky's been on, so new guy on the intro. I can't remember who it was. Who was it on the intro? I w- list, bloody listen to Keeping It Strong Style today. I can't remember who he had. Doesn't matter. Oh, on the on the intro yeah. on this week's? Yes. Uh, I think it was Scorpio Sky. That was it, yeah. He won on AEW, so... Con- and, he's, and he was on Kiss, boys. <laughs> Nothing but winning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he is the... O'Connor's easily the least interesting, but that also adds to that feeling of, well, surely he's not winning then. So in terms of build and character, it's perfect for Naito to win. But then it creeps in the back of your mind. I don't know if that's more because of the... Because we're sitting there going, in Gado we trust. We trust in Gado. Uh, but it is there of, does he have a different plan? Or is that little... Because we watch WWE. We're used to... It, like it, That's a world where it doesn't matter the build. Anything can happen on the night. The, the build doesn't really matter. You can have You can do a shock like that at, in WWE just because on the night anything really could happen that's not the same in New Japan if you do watch it kind of like with the intention that we do or Jeremy watches it to an even greater attention than I do but (laughs) if you you do watch it like that then you will notice the trends and the build and the kind of character nods that are happening like people who don't really tune into New Japan that much won't have noticed really like all the subtle hints to doing the double championship that have been going on for a really long time I want to say the majority of this year that it's been hinted at and now finally it's here. If you hadn't been... Because you have to watch the backstage interviews really to see that. And it didn't really come right, to yeah, a lot of that stuff, after the G1. Yeah, a lot of that stuff happens in the backstage promos. And I, know, I know a lot of people who are kind of anti-New Japan or they're either really big WWE people. They're like, you know, where are the promos? Like, it's just matches. There's no stories being told. Well, it's like, well, A, most of the stories are told in the ring. And then there are press conferences after every show. And... These guys go out there and cut promos after every match, even the Road 2 shows. So there's constantly stories being told in the backstage promos. Yeah, it's like how stories are told in other combat sports, like MMA, boxing, or, or what have you. That's kind of how it's done. Like All the taunting and that is like, done in press conferences or, or media scrums or whatever. And then the, like, the actual kind of bigger storytelling of the championships and all of that is done in the ring. And they can, right. yeah, as of the uh, kind of the slightly more, when I say more realistic presentation or the more sports like presentation, 
because there's a whole conversation when AEW said that. That's what I envisioned. Like there would be the media scrums and things, and you'd, and majority of the stories would be in the ring. You wouldn't get any. Uh, oh, I don't know how to describe the Rusev storyline, but that <laughs> you're not going <gonna> <laughs> to get anything so like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. the, like you do get comedy in there, obviously. Like, is that meant to be? Uh, no, it's move. It's like, is it meant to be comedy? <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, so with uh, yeah, so the, it still is comedy. Like I love um, taking the piss now whenever Rocky and Taguchi are both on the tag team. It was like, oh, that's sports entertainment, or oh, more sports like, oh, it's coming. <laughs> when Rocky's got his basketball, Taguchi's got oh, piss the uh, rugby world cup's gone. What does Taguchi do now? Who is Taguchi? <laughs> what is he? I know. May- uh, maybe he'll go back to the uh, the masked horse. Oh. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love how he created a backstory for that. <laughs> such, such a silly thing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, I was uh, raised. I, I'm a real horse. I was raised by horses. I was taken in. And they are my parents, and, and they taught me to wrestle. <laughs> That's such nonsense. Uh, whatever's next for Taguchi, he'll he'll find his way, and he'll. Generate the next team Taguchi as well because all of those move on. Like, they become very successful team Taguchi. Like Ricochet's killing it now in WWE. <laughs> Just to see, yeah, team Taguchi goes on to some success that I should be looked into. <laughs> yeah, is, he's actually a very very good manager. Like next up, Juice Robinson, Finn Juice. They're going to be tag team champions, surely. That's what I'm. That's, that's my that's my outside the box prediction for next year. Finn Juice become tag team champions. It's, well, I I think. It might be at Wrestle Kingdom. I think that uh, Finn Juice is one of the top teams. They're actually my pick to win the World Tag League oh. this year, and I think they will end up um, beating God on whatever night the title match will be. And if you want to hear Jeremy's more in-depth thoughts on the World Tag League, uh, he and Young Boy did a an extremely in-depth preview on their Keeping It Strong style from this week. If you, yeah, I, I've tagged them in a tweet about this show. If you want to go over there, you'll be able to find it all off social suplex yeah. on Podbean or whatever. Uh, yeah. But, also, um, one of our, our writers, um, Murray Bone, also known as Muzza online, he just wrote a kind of in-depth um, preview too for the site. It's going to be up um, by the time I believe this show comes out. You that should be up on the site as well. Yeah. So if you, yeah, that's kind of me going. Wait, I can stop this tangent, but still plug it for people who actually do care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's. Um, I think that's, we've, because we're going on a tangent, that tells me we've probably finished <laughs> talking about the Wrestle Kingdom main event scene. But yeah, I've not. So by that poll and everything, that like people in Japan, on a whole, they're fine with it. Over in the West, the super hardcore engager we trust, like me and Jeremy, we're fine with it. The more, I guess, wider wrestling viewing, or maybe not as much, especially for somebody jumping from WWE. And you're used to be like the story is very very easy to follow in WWE because they essentially essentially they just scream it in your face, <laughs> so it's really blatant to know. <laughs> like people just say their emotions. That that's not how people. That's so weird. He's like, oh, I know you hate me, but I'm going to keep my eye on you. He's like, yes, I do hate you. He's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really it's really really easy to follow because of that. There isn't any of that in New Japan. It's more like looks and things. But that's what I like most about AEW. Like when Kenny Omega asked this week, uh, spoilers if you've not seen AEW this week, but in on Wednesday, I'm talking about it. <laughs> but with uh, when he asked the, uh, uh, what is his name, the medical man. <laughs> I'm losing my brain turning off. When I, the, uh, when he asked him, the doctor. Yes, the doctor, the physician, whatever. 
uh, when they asked him uh, how did jo- how was John Moxley is he cleared because Kenny Omega wasn't clear and he said oh no he's he's banned up but no he's cleared and just the look on Omega's face she's like oh that's just so much more storytelling than in WWE they, they must have said oh, is is Moxley fit Moxley should can't be fit if Moxley's fit that's going to hurt me oh he's not fit oh that hurts me that does <laughs> that's <what's, laughs> no. so that's the kind of thing I uh, love about New Japan as well when there is that kind of storyline you're mostly going through it by the expressions and the work by them in the ring you don't have them screaming it at you and yeah yeah, yeah just, New Japan yeah. definitely follows the uh, show don't tell philosophy yes and it works really really well it's, it's the key to filmmaking I don't know why WWE with so many TV people but they are soap opera TV people so maybe it's a little yeah. bit different like when they yeah, brought... I, t- I took a oh go ahead oh I was going to make a little gag so if you want to do your more <laughs> important point yeah no, I was going to say, like, I took a lot of, like, TV production, video production classes in college, and, like, a lot, yeah, that, you know, show don't tell was always a point that was kind of, like, you know, drilled into us, so. Because <laughs> yeah, I did film production, which is why so often WWE is, like, a nightmare to watch for me, because I know I don't watch it like a normal person. Like, I've, like anyone I reckon who's done a film production or TV production course, when you watch WWE, like, oh, they're breaking so many of the rules. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> it's not... It's not great. Like I was taught, like in terms of editing, you count to three, and you ask yourself by that third second, why haven't I cut yet? If you count, if you watch WWE, they pretty much cut every single time it makes it to three seconds. That's not what the rule means. <laughs> you count to three. If there is a reason, you don't cut. That <laughs> sometimes there right. are reasons. In WWE, it's mental just the amount of times they cut. That doesn't mean. That whenever there's a sequence of like three second cuts, that it's bad. No, because that's work. It's perfectly fine. I've seen New Japan do it. I've seen multiple promotions do it. It, it. That's perfectly fine. It's when you are doing it, even though there is something where you probably didn't need to cut for. Like that. That's the bit that gets me WWE, and the what thirty cuts within, like a cut every half a second. That's the mental stuff. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> Oh, and because we're in the UK, I got the reminder of the editing of the sound as well. It's like, oh, oh, I forgot how much I was happy this was gone. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> where, you viv- where you visually, you see the crowd cheering, but then you hear, boo. But they're not, they're not even recorded an English crowd. It's American booze. <laughs> you can tell the <laughs> it's just, oh, it's such a late, like It always reminds me of um, Michelle McCool. This is a 10-year reference at this point. But it was her and Layla doing their little breakup storyline, and it was whoever lost would leave the WWE at the next pay per view. Mm. And uh, live, Michelle McCall said, and right, and whoever loses leaves WWE, and the crowd reacts to it like, ah, oh, sorry, I got that completely wrong. <laughs> then she says the loser leaves SmackDown. She was meant to say WWE, but she said SmackDown. So they reco- recorded her in post saying WWE. But it's like she's in a studio recording it perfectly, like like Jeremy is now <laughs> in that. But she's meant to be in front of a crowd, and the rest of the sentence is in front of a crowd. So then, when it cuts to her saying "do it," it's hilarious. Like <laughs> I don't know if it's on the network because I've not looked, but it was absolutely hilarious when I watched it live. It's like, and whoever loses leaves WWE. <laughs> it sounded like a uh, 2K video game promo. Oh. <laughs> I've stayed well clear of 2K20. Like, nowhere near. 
<laughs> just, so, uh, yeah, uh, same here. <laughs> like, it's it's weird. It's like that's what reviews are for. <laughs> it's, it's mental. Uh, that made me laugh the day release, where it was just loads and loads of people was like, oh, oh god, this game is broken. It's like, yes, all the reviewers <laughs> told you that, <laughs> and you bought it exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yes, it happens all the time in gaming. Eventually, people learn. <laughs> it happens. Uh, sales were down anyway. It turns out it was a minority that did that because we are on Twitter. We're engaging with the hardcore fans quite a lot. The hardcore fans were those who did buy it, but the, the hardcore fans who were informed did not. <laughs> we got brains on us, as I like to think. Uh, but yes, editing from New Japan is also amazing. They're the ones innovating with camera shots. Not not a well, not really AW or WWE really that innovative with their camera shots. AWs look cool, uh, but I feel like New Japan are really the ones trying out new stuff. So that they they're setting the trends with that, which is still great to see. Even though they've kind of fallen in the West to that that third promotion, the influence is still there. Is, uh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Right, so as we got off on another, like, I led us on, like, two or three tangents there. <laughs> just like a stream <laughs> hey, it, of consciousness. It's your show, man. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> when I'm solo, the streams of consciousness are untamed. <laughs> it's just wild, <laughs> a wild ride. <laughs> oh, I fear for when we do the Wrestle Kingdom shows where I'm going to be the most awake. That's a fear. <laughs> they're quite tangenty as they are as well. <laughs> that's that's going to be a little bit interesting. Right, so that's Wrestle Kingdom out of the way. Now we're going to talk about New Japan Showdown. If you're watching on YouTube, that's the image behind Cartoon Me. Just uh, I've tried to line it up, and uh, I'm really proud of it. It looks all right. <laughs> so, uh, New Japan Showdown, which took place November 9th, that's the buddy date. Uh, I watched it on Sunday. Uh, doesn't really matter when we watched it, because <laughs> I don't know why I'm bringing that up. But we had a uh, very, very interesting card, which I well, as soon as I started watching the show... I was hit by this realisation of just how kind of relaxed it felt. Because uh, did you watch Full Gear first as well? Yes, I did. Yeah, we had some guys over here at the uh, Keeping a Strong Style Dojo. And we had a little Full Gear uh, pay-per-view party. And then I watched um, Showdown the next day. Ah, so over here in Atlantis, where it's all flooded with water, there was... Uh, yeah, so I watched... Uh, Full gear, and I was up late doing the show with uh, Jan Man immediately after. So that's that's up on YouTube as well. Uh, LP Radio Aftershock. If you want to go listen to that. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I didn't go to bed till seven p.m. Let's try that one again. Seven a.m. <laughs> Very different story. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I was up from eight a.m. the previous day, so I'd been up twenty-three hours by that point. Sunday was a write-off, as in I'm doing nothing <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I saw the New Japan tweet saying that the show will be taking place. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I can do that. They accidentally said it'd be live at 4pm. And I was like, well, it's obviously not, but that could be my time to watch it. <laughs> That'd be fun. I'll be up by 4pm. Like, one job, get up by 4pm. I can work with that. <laughs> that's fine. And it, it, it was absolutely fantastic for me. It was the perfect viewing to watch when I was absolutely knackered. And for me, it was like the tonal shift. So this is what... Um, oh, um, like, really, the big thing about this is it's quite important that I did watch Full Gear the night before, which was chaotic, to say the least. Pretty violent, pretty high, uh, kind of really, really high energy as well, like kind of amping you up kind of show. And that at the end was absolutely mental, really, with the, just the way you're reacting to it. And <laughs> it's like, it is a kind of tighten-your-neck kind of viewing, where you're just going, ooh, no, don't, don't stop sweeping, Kenny, please. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that main event was awesome. 
<laughs> so um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're just the amount of kind of energy from that show to then go to New Japan, where the atmosphere was obviously from the very very first match where you had Venomita versus uh, Alex Coughlin. Like it was the perfect tempo for me because I there's like the show was at a nice slow pace and Kevin Kelly was like oh welcome guys welcome let's have a lovely sit down we've got we've got a cup of tea there for you oh isn't this lovely I'll just quickly tell you a lovely story about Ben Ben Narita and Tiger I loved Tiger on commentary like he just he just jumped in with the odd little line about something but he really added to the fact it's like it's like I'm just in like a coffee shop with two guys and and I'm watching New Japan on my laptop whilst they just tell me stories (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. It was the perfect show for me in the state that I was in. So, yeah. Uh, but Jeremy, what did you make uh, your I guess, overall impressions of the show? Yeah, overall, I thought it was a pretty good show. I know um, the young boy and I were pretty hard um, critics of the announcement of New Japan of America and just, you know, the production quality of the Fighting Spirit Unleashed shows that were in the uh, the Northeast tour and the Super J Cup in um and L- the uh, California tour they did for that like the production quality for both of those shows were not great the camera work wasn't great um they're up you know on delay and those are just like a hot mess and so they did a great job kind of turning things around here for the um you know the western productions I thought the production of the show looked great I loved the stage I thought the camera worked. Uh, looked pretty good. They had a, a you know a new Japan ring. Everything looked really good, and they had um, a, a solid card. So overall, I I enjoyed it and I thought it was very good. So I guess a uh, one I guess criticism that I have seen uh, before the show was oh this is Liger's last match, uh, but I don't know. It feels like this might be the kind of way he'd like to go out. Just kind of subdued, not the main focus of the show. Get the crowd like focused on Wrestle Kingdom was kind of like the, right. the way they kind of ended it compared to going say goodbye to Liger they did that in the second match uh, and of course the crowd did pop but it's like they did it on their own rather than the show telling them this is where you cheer Liger which is a little bit interesting for his last ever match because I don't know if the crowd would have wanted that moment just for them to blatantly go and say thank you to Liger type of thing he's just no what's the back like a normal situation and then the crowd did it whilst they're waiting for the next match to start which I wasn't expecting it to go that way, but of course I don't know how these type of things are normally done in New in the New Japan how they work it, or if it's like because Liger is so respected, he got to choose, which wouldn't surprise yeah. me either. And and the thing with Liger too, I hear so many stories just how like unselfish he is. Like he's always willing to put somebody else over, and especially now in kind of this you know the later part of his career, he's always been willing to work with new talents and get younger guys over and make sure the focus is on the current guys and not on him and a very, very, you know, giving guy and giving back to the business. So I'm, I'm sure Liger was, you know, probably very excited to kind of work with um, Aaron Solo and kind of give him a rub and then also, um, you know, get over this Cabana and Yano team that's going to be in the World Tag League. Um, coming up so i'm sure like you said this was kind of probably liger's choice in the way he wanted to go out um but you know personally you know as a longtime liger fan i would have would have loved to seen him have a singles match i'm not saying he had to go out there and have like a 20 minute epic with you know will osprey or um you know dragon lee or anything but 
Um, you know, he could have had a nice little one-on-one match. You know, maybe him versus Aaron Solo. You know, some kind of you know singles match for him to kind of go out with his last uh, U.S. appearance. Yeah, and I feel like it was it worked on the show. If that makes sense. Like it didn't feel like the crowd were like, oh, I wanted more than that. It's like no, they enjoyed a Liger tag and out he went, and that was it. Like <laughs> nothing yeah. remarkable. But uh, as you were just saying. In the end, he even lost as well. And they got over the dream team. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know there are so many people who absolutely hate Yano, as in, there's quite a few fans who don't really like comedy in wrestling. Plus, I'm somebody where, like, outside of this, I've got a lot of, um, I guess, world, like, interviewing comedians and the, com- the stand up comedy world here in the UK. I've been lucky enough to have quite a lot of time uh, hanging around that world. So, but it's fair to say that I am a fan of comedy. I'm perfectly fine with that. I pop every time as Orange Cassidy. Love the guy. <laughs> I, uh, and Yano, for me, in the G1, he is my MVP. Like, it's a joke between me and Sir Sam, but, yeah, whenever we vote, whenever people say, oh, what are your MVPs for the G1 Climax? Like, in 2018, legitimately, I was like, no, Yano. <laughs> he was amazing in the G1 2018. Like, I absolutely loved him. This year as well, he's an absolute joy. Like, he's my personal MVP. Like, every time I love the comedy and when they did the New Japan Cup earlier in the year people were kind of predicting oh well ho- hopefully Cabana and Yano get eliminated in the first round so we don't have to see more of them and I'm like no the ultimate comedy match <laughs> Cabana <laughs> versus Yano it took place in America they spent five minutes selling DVDs it was amazing <laughs> I loved it <laughs> and uh, I wanted to see exactly that in the New Japan Cup and it was again just everything it was the, it was a dream pairing and now they are the dream team. They are the most dangerous tag team, not because of the violence, but because of all the stuff you need to be aware of, because they are going to be the most cheeky tag team in that tournament. Keeping track of yeah. one Yano is difficult enough, but there's two of them. <laughs> like, good luck. Right, yeah, these guys, they're going to pick up a lot of, you know, upset wins in this tournament with between, you know, Yano's low blow and roll up and uh, Cabana's uh, Superman pin these guys, they're going to be very entertaining, and they're going to pick up um, a lot of wins, I think more wins than people expect them to do. And I guess this was a good way to get people ready for that. <laughs> it's just this was their kind of first, like they're going to get more, they're going to get those wins they're not expecting, and this is exactly where it's going to go. But yeah. also in terms of uh, establishing folk, I've not actually seen the World Tag League standings, not standings, you know what I mean, the uh, announcements. Uh, Desperado. Is is there an is there a uh, Suzuki Gun? There is, isn't there? Is it ZSJ and someone? Yeah. Like so it? there's uh there's two Suzuki Gun teams. There's um the, the Dangerous Techers team, which is Saber and Tai Chi, and then um Suzuki and Archer are teaming. Oh, of course they are. Yes. <laughs> yes, I remember the uh, the t- people just playing on the everybody dies. It's <laughs> like and now Suzuki's <laughs> with him. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's going to be a lot of young lions that get hurt through this tour. <laughs> oh, I feel so sorry for all of the young lions who are going to be working this world tag team. World yeah, tag team they're they're, they're going to get wrecked by Archer and Suzuki. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, good luck with those guys. <laughs> if they're going to lose, it's going to be by disqualification kind of thing. That or they're too focused on causing havoc and that cost them the match somehow. Um, yeah, yes, I'm quite. But yeah, dangerous techers. I, yeah, I saw Zack Saber Junior tweet about that. I don't know why I forgot. They might be 
the team that gets higher up in the ranking, just in terms of like the obviously like the the danger kind of feeling of them. Well, or this kind of starts to build tension within Suzuki Gun, given that is is the rumor still that Suzuki's leaving at the end of his contract. Um, I haven't had heard much of those rumors since the Liger match. That was kind of like the big thing going into that match. But since the match happened, I have not heard um, rumors that th- that he's going. And so it looks like he'll he'll still be around. And uh, with Saber and Taichi, um, they did very well in last year's World Tag League. They uh, tied in fifth place with uh, sixteen points with uh, Finn Juice. And so they they racked up a lot of points last year. And I could see them being one of the teams that. It's in that kind of in that spot where if they win their last match, they could get into uh, the title match. Because I don't think there'll be many other big plans for them. Uh, who who knows what Ishii's? Oh, what is her? Well, Kenta isn't. He's never open weight champion. Has Kenta's match been announced? I don't think it has. It has not. But Kenta is in the World Tag League. He's teaming with uh, Yujiro Takahashi. Ah, yes, yeah. Weirdly, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> like as soon as uh, I saw that, I, I, I was like, yeah, that, I don't know why they feel like they should click automatically, just like clockwork. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like they really should. Um, Kenta feels yeah, I, like a badass who could turn on the charm whenever he wants to. He just doesn't. <laughs> right. He's under his control. And I, I feel like they will gel together better than Yujiro uh, and Hangman Page have done the last oh, yes. two tournaments. Oh, That's kind of an odd pairing. One positive about the Elite moving on is quite often when they gelled with the like lower down Bullet Club guys, it, it didn't quite feel right because you blatantly had your Elite and not Elite. And whenever they <laughs> kind of did a tag between the two, it felt a bit, eh, <laughs> I guess it's fine. Yeah. But no, now I like that Bullet Club's kind of They've gone back to the well a little bit, and they all, they're all one unit that everybody hates. And that's the one thing I love the most about this Bullet Club kind of era is you don't just hate one of them, you hate most of the group. And that's it's really difficult to do, to generally get you to not like so many, especially in this age, where we talk about like how... like with so many heels, we'll talk about how great they are. Like with Suzuki, of course, he's a respected veteran, so I'll use Zack Sabre Jr. instead. <laughs> with Zack Sabre Jr. or Tai Chi... <laughs> You don't. There's something about them where you kind of enjoy them, even though they're meant to be the dirty, dastardly heels. With Bullet Club, I don't get that. Like from like the top down, like Jay White set a fantastic precedent. Like you, you don't just not like them. You generally do hate the heels, and that's fantastic to see. Just to see that level throughout the whole group. So I, I yeah. don't think I felt that since like the original incarnation. Yeah, I think Bullet Club has been great this year you know i actually um wrote something for um a submission for the voices of wrestling's new japan year and ebook and hopefully that gets approved in but i wrote an essay um about bullet club and just what a great year they've had you know a lot of western fans um they that have left or if they still watch they don't see bullet club in the same light that they used to it's not the kind of the cool heels or these cool you know guys doing the, the crotch chops anymore you got guys who are you know being heels and getting heat and being dastardly like you mentioned jay white has done a great job kind of leading the charge then um you got the addition of el Fantasmo this year and he's doing a great job of regenerating heat and uh getting people to hate him and guys like uh taiji ishimori who's also had 
a good year. And even Gorillas of Destiny, this has probably been the best year they've had. You know, they won um, both the Ring of Honor and IWGP titles at Madison Square Garden. They've had a lot of successful t- title offenses, and they've had a lot of really good uh, tag matches this year. So overall, I feel like Bull Club has just been on a roll this year. It's just a shame that it's not Jay White's year. <laughs> it doesn't feel like this Festival Kingdom is going to be uh, like Bullet Club's time. I'm expecting quite a lot of losses. Like to everybody across the board, whoever, like whichever match they have or whatever. Um, but it is uh, as a more as a stable, they feel a lot more together than they've done for quite some time. And that is yeah, that's great to hear, great to see. Um, yeah, I think all the, the additions they've had this year have been great with Phantasmo and Kenta. Uh, I think they fit in well, and I think the group is like more of a a, a solid unit right now. Well, because well, we're leaving an era where like that that last wave to join the Bullet Club under the Elite Era is kind of like oh they're getting added as well or oh, them too, and then there's the uh, oh pub quiz pub quiz answer that's not a phrase that Americans would understand <laughs> um, oh a pop quiz like a pop sort of pop quiz answer of uh, of, of uh, who was the last I guess Ring of Honor person to join the Bullet Club it's like oh yeah Frankie Kazarian believe <laughs> he keeps getting the Bullet Club like so many well, were I think- added. I think that was just um, wasn't well, just, just a, a, a swerve yes, for was, um, yeah. yeah for them to bring back uh, I think Christopher Daniels and then he eventually went back with Daniels and they feuded with Bull Club. Yeah, so uh, I think they were like the um, like massive heel group and they could they could sense the tide changing a bit and then Frankie Kazarian joined because I think that led to Christopher Daniels uh, World Championship reign. Just the, that 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 kind of kickstarted that like really yeah. good momentum. But it, like, because Owen was, it wasn't like a um, he's with them for one week kind of things. I feel like he was with them for like a solid month, or maybe a little bit more than that as well. Uh, so yeah, I think it was a, at least a, a yeah, I think it was at least a month that he was kind of with them, and then they did the, the the turn. Yeah, so, so there was um, yeah, so that did create that era though, uh, where it did feel like if somebody was added to Bullet Club, it was like oh, another person. So it's been great with this kind of reset that's happened that when somebody's added, it feels like they 100% belong. Like, it took a while for Paige to feel right, for example, or Adam Cole as well. Like, he was finally coming into his own and it kind of felt like uh, he was only he was finally getting into Bullet Club and it felt like he had a proper place and then he got signed to NXT. So, uh, and then Cody did a million times better with the same storyline, essentially. <laughs> it was just like, oh. Right, yeah. Cody just fell right in uh, Adam Adam Cole's role, mm, like perfectly, like to a T. Like Adam Cole left at Wrestle Kingdom, in came Cody, and it's like, oh, fantastically. It's weird to think that a year and a half ago, Cody was the most hated man, like by Western fans in New Japan, but like now he's absolutely beloved as the best babyface. Like he's done the full one eighty within a year and a half from the most yeah. hated to the most beloved. Uh, and I just think back to it was like one of the being the elites. Where they would, it was in between like their season one and season two, and Cody was just sat there at the table where, where they're doing a meeting, like what they're going to do for the next season. They was just like, "Can I be, can I be more likable this time?" <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I just love looking back at that one because obviously it's like, yeah, they did that. Yeah, <laughs> he's completely flip flop now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I love the state of Bullet Club as it is right now. Uh, weirdly, I don't know why I brought that up because we're. Oh, Tag League was uh, yeah all over the place. But we did get the fourth match of the night, which was... I was, gonna, I was trying to link TJP, Juice Robinson, and Tomo Ishii together, but 
There's nothing. <laughs> I don't know why they're <laughs> together. Uh, versus Lij's Bushi Sanada and Evil. Uh, is Juice team? Is Juice in the tag league? Yes, him and uh, Finley. Oh, Finley. Uh, yes, of course. I'm an idiot. Uh, I thought assumably Juice was in this just so he's on the card. Uh, TJP has actually been a nice addition as well. Um, if I feel like he, because he is a very very good wrestler, and I feel like where he's been placed in the New Japan kind of levels is like perfect for him, especially like in these tag matches where he gets a sprint of stuff to do, or like at the start of the card where he's wrestling somebody who'll have a nice fun entertaining match. He's been used really really well, and I could see him being in New Japan for quite a while in this kind of role where he never really challenges for anything. But he finds a nice place for himself. Like, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of TJP, and you know, he was one of the guys that w- that were a part of the original LA Dojo, and uh, you know, trained with guys like um, Samoa Joe and guy and Rocky Romero and guys like that. And he- I think he's it's incredible. I mean, he's been all over the world. He's been in pretty much every promotion there is to be in under many different gimmicks, and he's a really great wrestler. I think he- he's very underrated especially coming off of the 205 live run where everybody just hated him for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's been fitting in well in New Japan, and I can see him being you know, one of the stars of New Japan of America. Yeah, I've got... It's one of those where I don't know how much to talk about New Japan of America because the announcement was, uh, I guess... <laughs> it wasn't really... Because <laughs> we have no information, essentially. Other right, well, t- well te- technically... This this show was like the first show under the New Japan of America banner. Oh okay. Oh, so that's, oh so that might explain the improved production, as in they're trying to at least match that. So when you go to these shows, you're going to get great production like this. So, yeah, yeah. And they go for these size arenas, I'd assume, like nothing massive, but like a couple thousand should fit them pretty well. Uh, and that was also because this was on at the exact same time as Full Gear, and uh, I, the actual turnout for it was like really good. I don't know why I was surprised by that; it just caught me off guard. I was kind of worried, <laughs> especially after the past few shows. I was kind of worried, like a venue of this size, would they actually sell it out? Especially as it's the same night as Full Gear, which would obviously attract quite a lot of attention. No, they like packed the place. <laughs> Fantastic atmosphere as well. It was uh, that, that, yeah. It was nice to see that the interest was there to that degree. Which like, yeah, but yeah. but I do think uh, from from a streaming standpoint, it was a mistake to mm. have oh, this yeah. show the same weekend of Full Gear. And I mentioned this week on Keeping a Strong Style too. Like going forward, um, when they're planning out these New Japan of America shows, they need to look at the calendar and see you know, all right, is AEW running? Is WWE running? Like. All right. If not, then that's you know pick the right weekends to run the show so that way they don't get lost in the shuffle or lose a lot of buzz. Because if you do it right, then you've got what we had at WrestleMania, where you're like, if you're doing it on a weekend where there is wrestling, they can add themselves to that schedule if they book it correctly. Compared to this, where they were at the exact same time, and obviously I know which one I'm watching, mostly because exactly. I'm for the site, I don't have a choice. But <laughs> like a normal fan. I'm assuming a lot of Western fans will tune into AEW over New Japan. So it is a weird one, but over WrestleMania weekend, they slotted in fantastically. They, if anything, they added to the hype of WrestleMania as well, just to fo- just to feed on, follow all the way through for the weekend. So yeah, and it was great, especially with like NXT moving. Also, like fans didn't have oh, to yes. choose. Like you could, like I went to both um, SuperCard and NXT Takeover. So yeah, it ended up being a great weekend. 
I remember it as seeing on Twitter just everyone getting sick of Rich playing uh, Gorillas of Destiny's new theme at the time <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> People on Twitter just like, I mean, it's not a bad theme, but I'm starting to break. <laughs> oh, it's nice to see that from a distance. Especially because I was ill, so it was nice to see other people suffer. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so it can it can work with New Japan US. It's just and it showed like for me there is interest there, even when they're running against full gear, they still pack the place. So that's good to see. Uh, it was a new market as well because going to San Jose for the very first time, which again a smart move to kind of drop stuff there to be going. Especially as AW is doing a similar thing, like going to markets that just haven't had any wrestling. Never mind, like they've never had New Japan, for example, but never had wrestling for, never had. I'm about to create an oxymoron here. Never had wrestling for such a long amount of time. So obviously, they've I've had it in the past. <laughs> it's been quite. A yeah, while. yeah, yeah. AW is doing a great job of kind of, of serving, especially like those like uh, southern cities, and the southeast kind of areas too. And yeah, they've been doing a great job picking the cities and kind of going back to some like historic uh, wrestling venues, like the one they were in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago. So they, they're doing a great job with their uh, kind of targeting. I uh, just want to say, um, we've got a message from King W... I don't know, I was going to say 2-1000, like he's a Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I like saying it like that now. Uh, that New Japan announced the San Jose show before Full Gear was announced. And I think I was talking about this last... Oh, I was talking about it with somebody. Oh, it Jan on Sunday. Saturday, sorry, after Full Gear. Uh, with New Japan being a foreign promotion, it makes a lot of sense that this would have had to have been in the works for a much longer amount of time than Full Gear would have for AW, especially as AW didn't exist until like half, partway through this year. Uh, June was really their first kind of show. I don't know when they stopped putting venues, but yeah, it would make sense that uh, New Japan had this scheduled beforehand, and then AW came. That does actually change something there. But in terms of right. Yeah. So yeah, in, in this in this situation, yeah, they, they mm. could they couldn't have avoided it. But I mean, this is the same company that was planning to do shows the weekend of the Super Bowl here in the states. Um, <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> so, so they do sometimes have a lack of awareness of what's going on around them, and in especially in the states. Um, but yeah, in a situation like that where the AW pay per view gets announced afterwards, and you already have it booked, then yeah, that's that's one thing. But also, I mean, going down the line. Especially with oh, yeah. WWE, whose schedule's kind of out there, they can avoid at least avoid those shows. Oh, uh, sorry, he's sending more messages. <laughs> it's caught me off guard. Like, oh, <laughs> this is yeah, quite interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeremy. Now I'm doing a live podcast, but I'm reading <laughs> quite quite an interesting <laughs> journey. For <laughs> uh, I'll get to those later, but yeah, yeah, especially like the the story. I completely forgot about that story of the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Look up stuff, please. <laughs> you have to be aware of what is going on in America. Like me being English, I don't know when things are. Like baseball, I don't. I don't know about the baseballs. <laughs> it means nothing to me. <laughs> like um, I, so I don't know when the Super Bowl is. I just know it'll pop up on my like news kind of world. It'll say, "Oh, the Super Bowl's this weekend, and the NFL shows on." Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but not, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> but it's, it's nice to know that it's on. Uh, some people. So uh, there are some mental people who do as like what I would do for WrestleMania, but they do it for the Super Bowl as well as like including the. Um, I'm about to sound really not American here. Super Bowl does have a semi-final. I'm not being an idiot here. Well, there's like the so I'm, I'm not the biggest football guy, but yeah, there's like the playoffs, and so you have yeah. like the 
you know, the, the semifinals of the playoff to the, you know, the two teams, like the four teams will end off playing in the playoff and then the two final teams will be in the Super Bowl. So uh, the first time I ever watched the Super Bowl, I got into the Saints. It would have been like, like the start of this decade <laughs> where uh, <laughs> I got behind the Saints for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I like the white and gold. <laughs> but they, yeah, they did really well in the uh, semi-final and then the final. But that's the only time I ever stayed up to watch it. Don't ask me what halftime was. That's the norm- That's the thing that normally staples. <laughs> I've noticed that's the thing that staples the year more than the match itself. <laughs> it's like who was on the halftime. Oh, yes, I know what year it was now. <laughs> like, surely the sport would surely uh, identify that. But no, yeah, uh, I feel like I'm tangenting again. <laughs> but yeah, so as an Englishman, I kind of do know the... I, I can relate to that feeling of not having a clue when anything is. Like, I keep forgetting like simple things like Thanksgiving... If my brother wasn't married to a girl from Utah, I wouldn't know this stuff. <laughs> like when this or whatever. Like the American holidays just slip right past me and then suddenly he's like, oh yeah, it is. I'm live like every year on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so he's always, it's like, oh, is anyone going to listen? They're going to be eating pie and normally my listen's actually really good on Thanksgiving because everybody's full and like falling asleep. <laughs> so pops yeah, so, yeah. That, that turkey man yeah. gives you that's that what, good nap. That's what we do at Christmas. It's, it's, because, it's, it's a question that I've asked before because like there's no set meal like for, for what I can tell like families will decide they will have a Christmas meal but it's not set like nationwide what that meal is like I think I've heard like one person say oh we have like a fish thing it's like fish on Christmas what no a massive tur- we have Thanksgiving on Christmas essentially like the massive gotcha. turkey with the huge roast and everything. So just the idea of fish, <laughs> fish, <laughs> are you crazy? Uh, uh, I feel like me getting angry at that is a perfect tangent to bring us back to showdown. We're talking celebration. It's keeping its strong styles best friend Rocky Romero. Uh, I could think of a funnier way to introduce him. <laughs> Teaming with Yo because show was a bit busy uh, with Hiroki Goto as well. Facing Jado, Taiji Moi, and Kenta. Uh, this from, I don't know why this felt like fun, but with uh, Kenta taking was it did Kent? I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, they were doing the I think Kenta did the Rocky Romero forever spot, but then just ran up and kicked whoever was in the corner in the dick. He he's so funny in New Japan. Uh, I, lo- I love his character at the moment. Yeah, Kenta has always been. Um, better served as a heel, and he's doing a great job here, kind of going into that that heel dick role and just essentially just being a troll when he's in there in the ring. Yeah, um, yeah, that was me reading the comments again. <laughs> but yes, um, Kenta being that troll in the ring, it really does um, elevate him past anything. Because in WWE, he kind of did it, but the like the language barrier was always there. And it felt he was 100% hit with the, oh, you say your catchphrase kind of thing. Like the respect me thing, where if he was going to say anything, it was always like, respect me. And he'd point at himself or whatever, or hold his finger up or whatever. But here he's showing he's so much more than that. Like if he's going, like just taking the piss out of his opponents, he seems to have something for everybody as well, which is uh, great. Uh, even the tauntings of Shibata. Because Kenta's not got a match, and I'm assuming most most American fans, uh, most fans everywhere, are just like, "Oh, is he gonna Shibata?" Because the reports when Shibata came back were like, he is able to do these things, but he's not 
cleared for any match. Like they're not building to a match, and that's just not happening. But they keep right, building yeah. to it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. Shibata keeps getting physical, and they keep kind of you know giving these um these teases of a potential match with him and Kenta at Wrestle Kingdom. But you know, I'm just I'm I'm in the middle. I'm on the fence. I have I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, this match kind of tease that they're going to end up doing Kenta versus Goto at the Dome for the Never title and have Goto kind of defend the honor of Shibata and the LA Dojo. And you could potentially do that match and there could be a ref bump and Shibata can get his uh, comeuppance on Kenta and help Goto win the Never title and you have this kind of big moment with them. Or maybe somehow Shibata gets cleared and we could have the the Shibata-Kenta match, but with the style that both of those guys work, I'm just it kind of has me worried. Mm. Will, will Shibata be able to be safe in there? And you know what's going to stop him from going from another head headbutt spot? <laughs> yeah, it's if Shibata doesn't come across as the guy who would listen to advice, like Hiromu, like it, <laughs> his his whole speech. Hiromu was like the doctors have said that I shouldn't, I should tame down my style, maybe a bit like a steel vessel, but I should tame down what I'm doing, be a little bit safer. And then he's out there throwing himself into barricades, <laughs> going crazy, like doing the what? Bray Wyatt thing where he's just balancing on his head, uh, going, Mike, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, upside down. <laughs> like, but, do you, but to be fair for Hiromu's situation, though, like, it actually wasn't, like, anything he did in his crazy style that oh, yeah. caused an injury. It was all, you know, Dragon Lee slipping on that uh, Phoenix Plex. Mm. So I can understand where Hiromu's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but Shibata comes across as somebody who would have that attitude as well, but is more to like if anyone told him to tone down his style, it's like if I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling as Shibata always wrestles in that crazy uh, kind of way, and against Kento as well. It's kind of like if you're going to tone down against anybody, or if you, if you need, if you if Shibata does need to tone down in his wrestling style, you don't book him in a one-on-one Wrestle Kingdom match against Kenta. <laughs> you just don't. That's just. Not what you do at all, especially as Kenta will be, he's kind of trying to prove, uh, like, or bring back that Kenta that everybody kind of held in him as of during his days in Noah and Ring of Honor, like to bring that Kenta back with that aura. Against Shibata, that, they're not going to take it easy if they go against <laughs> yeah. each other. Um, I mean, they also could do, like, a, a tag team match. Maybe you do Shibata and Goto versus Kenta and somebody, and that way you can kind of hide Shibata away in. Um, in a tag, and then have him do like his big spots towards the end and pin Kenta. Ah, that's a shout. And then he can relinquish, and, and this Wrestle Kingdom can be a belt relinquishing <laughs> kind of time. Got, <laughs> so I don't know, um, that's one thing we meant to talk about earlier, but there's that idea of do some titles disappear after this Wrestle Kingdom, especially as they've like, introduced more and more and more. Like, is this the time where a couple of them just fade away a little bit? Uh, Especially with the US arriving, and that's not really going anywhere. That title, that title, I wouldn't be surprised if that title features a lot more on the New Japan US shows, and kind of gets built up over there. Because yeah, yeah, because it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the original t- intent of that US title was to main event US shows. I mean, that's why they put it on uh, Kenny Omega first, and you know the whole yeah the, that whole US title is going to be all about. Um, the U.S. kind of territories and main eventing big U.S. shows, but then that just the plans end up changing. I think they, the, the belt came really before they had a solid plan of what they were going to do here in the States, and so it's kind of just kind of languished in that kind of lower card role, 
Um, you, you, get, you had guys like, uh, you know, Jay White took it from Kenny, and then you had Juice having it, and then Juice kind of defended against lower card guys like uh, Chase Owens and uh, Trent Beretta. Um, I mean, Moxley's probably the biggest defense he had, and Moxley's probably the biggest name since Kenny that held the title. Um, and then we had the incident with uh, Mox having to drop the title due to not being able to make it because of the uh, the monsoon. And now um, Archer um, has the title now. And so Archer is a guy that's going to be on these U.S. shows. We saw him here defending the title later on. And so I think we will be seeing the U.S. title featured a lot more on U.S. shows and kind of being elevated to a higher position. Like uh, during like the the typhoon, one of my favourite stories that I saw during that was uh, there was somebody who was working at the airport and she tweeted about the whole event because it kind of struck her so much. But the uh, she was at the airport like shunning people, not shunning people away, but turning them away to say that it's a, there's a typhoon, get to a safe place, don't be at an airport. That's <laughs> essentially her job. And somebody turned up and just wasn't leaving. And it's just like no, it's grounded. Like we could, we're not there aren't any flights. You're not going to get out. Just go home. And it's like, but it's a typhoon. Surely that will just make the plane go faster. No. It made me laugh because you do see some responses like that, like kind of what when Moxley couldn't get in. It's like, but other people got in, and he's like, it's only a typhoon. It's not that bad. No, it was that bad. Like, there were the genuine worries. And if you saw the tweets from, I think it was El Fantasmo, actually, in the dojo, or for a few of the other uh, young lions as well, were there in the dojo, and, like, it was, like, the whole downstairs got flooded and everything as well. So it was... Like, the images are quite mental, and make what's happened uh, over here in Nottingham very, very tame. <laughs> it's like it's like oh the, the water's uh, halfway up the wheel oh no four inches <laughs> compared to like whole floors flooded it's like yeah we may have overreacted a little bit <laughs> calling it Atlantis <laughs> whatever yeah a little bit of an overreaction yeah really I'm kind of using this as a slight transition to El Fantasmo really convoluted transition <laughs> it was like El Fantasmo he was like Dojo uh, but yes, Elvin Tasmo defending the RevPro British Cruiserweight Championship against Show. Uh, as a British, British person, really cool to see the relationship with RevPro and New Japan kind of flourish, especially as what's happened recently. Like the, the tweet from uh, Pete Dunne from last year is kind of circled back up, where he's saying uh, like the UK independence will be perfectly fine. There's no need to worry. Like the talent's definitely there. WWE UK isn't there to kind of suck up all the talent and leave it dry. One year later. Multiple promotions are closing. It's uh, not in a great state at all. As in, that tweet didn't age well. Because like, don't worry, WWE UK is not going to do any damage. WWE UK end up doing direct damage. <laughs> like, no questions asked. But not also forgetting that a lot of that talent has also been sucked up elsewhere as well. Like, Marty Skull's now in Ring of Honor. He doesn't really go to UK anymore. Will Ospreay's gone to New Japan, as I'm assuming with quite a few of the acts. Like... Aussie Open. There's something about Aussie Open. I feel like they clicked in New Japan, and I won't be surprised to see them like later on. No, they're not in the tag right. league, are they? No, they were supposed oh. to be, but uh, Mark oh, Davis. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He tore up like everything in his leg, ACL, MCL. He tore a bunch of stuff up in his knee, so he's going to be out for a while. So um, Kyle Fletcher is going to be doing single stuff for right now. I think um, it was it was Kyle that went against um, yeah, Umino was, yeah. at that Rep Pro show. Yeah. Um, so I know that was they were rumored to be in tag league this year, and so with the injury they're going to be out. Maybe they might bring in Kyle Fletcher, maybe for uh, Super Juniors. Maybe if um, Dunksdale is not healthy in time, 
yes, down the line. Yeah, I do remember now, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, when he's fit, maybe a bit of time after that, he would go, they, that team would go to New Japan because they just feel like they, because there's a void that needs filling. Like, if there's one massive criticism of New Japan, is that their tag division has just vanished. Yeah, they're, they're just rotating the same guys because there really isn't anyone there. And, and the funny thing is, like, with Gato booking, like, Gato's a tag team guy. Like, him and Jado hmm. were, like, a great tag team and, he has a lot of history with tag team wrestling and you would think being a tag team guy that he would want to have a good tag division and highlight tag team guys. But that just hasn't been the case. We've kind of, you know, every year you kind of bounce around between a few teams. Like a couple of years ago, it was uh war machine and uh gorillas of destiny and killer elite squad. Uh, were kind of like the main heavyweight teams. And like this year it's kind of been like God and Evil and Sonata, and that's pretty much really it. You've had some some like makeshift teams of like Ichii and Yoshihashi teaming every once in a while, and some other random teams. But yeah, there's not, there's never really been a solid focus on the division. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's, it's not one that just to really, say, but the UK scene's got quite a few like tag teams. So there's pl- there is the talent there, and RevPro would make sense as a place to uh, get that talent. So yeah. Again, thumbs up in terms of the relationship between RevPro and NJPW. It feels like a really good relationship that's going to help elevate, especially with the excursions as well. Like, they're the type of thing as... Like, Umino, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually draws pretty well <laughs> over in the UK. Like, Umino's over, and he's he's in that stage where he's testing stuff out, just yeah. like, immediately trying to find his gimmick, which is what the excursion is pretty much all about, if you've... If you know about the excursions, but you don't really know what happens on them, that's pretty much what happens. Like sometimes you get switchbladed, like or you get rainmakered. Like but you come back and Gator's got this amazing idea, <laughs> and then that is what you are when you come back. But other times you find yourself abroad, and when when you, like sometimes you become Hiromu Takahashi, like he him becoming good friends with Dragon Lee was like the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> yeah. Or Naito as well, actually, even though he was pushed as the main eventer before. him going, His two trips to Mexico, I can't remember how many years apart they were, but those two trips both times did the world of good for him. Like, he found himself rather than the Gado master plan, as we'll call it. Uh, Shooter yeah, Umino, I love that he's jumping right in with the Shooter stuff, like immediately tells that when Moxie said that, he was immediately over as Shooter Umino. <laughs> yeah, any, I mean... Any movie book. Yeah. Yeah, going back to the uh, the Royal Quest show that happened mm. in August, like he got huge let's go shooter chance yeah. um during his match on that show. So I mean the UK fans they've totally embraced that. You know, a lot of you know UK fans and US fans are watching the G one due to um John Moxley being in there and everybody loved the relationship between Moxley and Umino. So, you know, Moxley crowning him as shooter got him over right there and pretty much everywhere he goes um, outside of Japan, he's getting these huge let's go shooter chants. Same with um, Rapungi 3K as well, because when they, I think, did they go actually? They went to. Oh, I can't remember if they were part of when they still had a good relationship with Noah. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember when that was, but they were definitely um, I know, I, in Japan. I know Rapungi 3K. They did some stuff in CMLL, and they also had some time in Ring of Honor. Uh, the uh, Tempura Boys. I don't That's remember the, if they. If they did anything with Noah or not, I don't know if I'm getting confused, but but yes, they were because they, they still have it, still had a relationship, and I can't remember what happened in that relationship. For some reason, my brain was like, they might have, maybe I don't know. Uh, 
but yeah, they were they were my young lions. Those those two, Jay White and Finley, they were my young lions. Juice joined a little bit afterwards, so I'm not sure if he counts because <laughs> I knew him before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Juice is an interesting, interesting situation. You know, he came out of you know the FCW slash NXT Performance Center, obviously a already trained wrestler and had plenty of experience. And when he went over to the dojo, he wanted to be treated like a young lion. He wanted to pretty much you know start from scratch. But you know, Gato saw him as the, the star that he is and the great wrestler that he is, and um, you know, kind of elevated him to a level above the young lions. Yeah, it was like he was, he was there with them, but he was kind of like like you know when Bad Luck Farley was a young lion and he stood out a little bit, <laughs> as in <laughs> uh, Bad Luck Farley was more because he's Bad Luck Farley he stood out. But with Juice, he didn't do the like the traditional thing of like shaving your head right down and slowly finding your image kind of thing that they normally do. Yeah, he, and, and he wanted to shave his head, but Gato was like, "No, you need to, you need to keep your hair like <laughs> wear wear whatever gear you want. You don't have to wear it all black." And so yeah, it was a little bit different of a yeah. I wouldn't really consider. Juice as like a, a young lion, yeah, as an e e potato in it, but he wasn't like a clean slate kind of bold creator wrestler, <laughs> which is essentially what they do, what they become <laughs> when they go when you do the full young lion experience. It's like no, you don't have any hair, you don't have any. Oh, I was gonna say, gonna say eyebrows, but that's too far. <laughs> the creator wrestlers don't even have eyebrows. <laughs> that meant everything's gone. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's awesome seeing them rise up like that. Even yeah, even Yoshitatsu, even he got me a pop when I saw bold Yoshitatsu kicking off a show as a young lion. <laughs> even that, like, oh, that's he's got promised that one, and then you see what he actually became. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yes, uh, I don't know why I've gone. On. We're talking about shooter. That was why. Yeah. So yes, um, yeah, we can keep shooter. He's one of those guys where he's very with the whole. Shoot, you know, I loved his image from like day one. And in terms of excursion, I'm like, oh, this might be. The excursions aren't normally like super short, but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets like a Jay White kind of thing, where it's really not that long, purely because he's seemingly got stuff down like so quickly, which is kind of mental for an excursion, uh, or like, at this point to already have such an awesome image. Because obviously it's more than just the image, but to have that down so quickly, kind of like mind-boggling to me, having seen how long it takes others. Or someone like Jay White, who he didn't have his image until he got back to New Japan. He was just doing good wrestles. Which, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so I'd like to keep him for as long as possible, please. But I know that's <laughs> not realistic. <laughs> I'm being selfish. <laughs> he might do good business for the UK scene, which is what I was trying to get to. But one of those other guys who has been quite prevalent on the UK scene is El Fantasmo, with his very strong Buddy Club influence. Interested to see that not in a leader. I think that's the first time we've seen somebody like El Fantasmo have certain like, bullet club traits, but he's not the leader. He's just a super charismatic dickhead. <laughs> so he does yeah, I, I love El Fantasmo. I think the guy's great, and I think he's been a great addition to New Japan and Bullet Club. Um, I get some serious um, Prince Debit vibes from him. Like you mentioned, he's very um, charismatic. He's very athletic. He can do a lot of great things in there and he's just great at being that dickhead douchebag that you, that you you just want to hate he does all the cheap heat the the back rakes the the low blows the pulling of the tights uh and you, and you know the guy's a great wrestler so it's so frustrating when you see him you know having to cheat to win but it's all to generate heat and to get fans to boo him and it helps get sympathy on the, the baby faces that he's going against and yes, the word dickhead is on that list of words which push you down on the YouTube algorithm. 
but so is the word YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah, really? I don't know. Yeah, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody made a massive list of all of the words which were found to push down. Uh, and it like some of the, like there are states on there for some reason. <laughs> Just individual states are on the list, <laughs> which is that, really that, weird. That's it's, really weird. I, like, um, like to anyone listening, I highly recommend searching out that list because some of the words and phrases on there are like, wh- why is that on there? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> obviously, something happened and it got added. But like you, even YouTube is on the list of words you can't say on YouTube. <laughs> which, like if you're if you're playing the algorithm, don't say these thousands and thousands of words. So if you're not a robot, there's no way you can keep up with that. <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's right. So I've decided yeah. that I could say poop or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, back to Phantasmo. Yeah, he had a great match here with Show. They told a great story. Uh, Show kind of coming in with on um, the back injury from the Super Junior Tag League, and he pinned Phantasmo during that tour to kind of earn this title match. And they told that whole story of him having to come back from the back injury and struggling to do all of his power moves and. Uh, Phantasm, you know, trying to have to out wrestle Phantasmo's cheating um, and its athleticism. So I thought these guys had great chemistry. This was the the match of the show for me. Uh, overall, I thought it was a really, really great match. I love the um, multiple attempts for Show to try and hit the shock arrow, and just the way they kind of built the second half of the match on that of Show getting closer and closer every single time, but just couldn't do it. And then he finally does, and then of course, Bullet Club things. <laughs> so it's. Uh, it's that one edge that Phantasmo always has. Uh, it came up again against the Will Ospreay as well, where yeah, like, that's the one thing that he always has is you know at some point the bullet club's going to come out. And I love that idea of he at least tries to win without them first, and when stuff goes bad, that's when they come out. It just makes him feel like right. a more legit champion, especially when he's coming to this match as champion. It makes him feel more legit, like he's trying without them. He's not useless or anything. Like that's an issue I have with WWE, where quite often their champions feel underwhelming. Like they don't feel like champions, as in somebody to actually fear when you go inside the ring. This is a kind of booking like that. Yes, he's a heel, but they others won't come out until he's actually in trouble. They don't come out like immediately and destroy somebody. Plus, it makes right. Show look amazing as well because he comes so close to defeating the champion, and it took the other guy coming out to finally swing the odds. Um, right, that 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 plants that doubt there. Like if that ref bump didn't happen. Um, show could have won that match, and so that that leaves the door open for a, a rematch down the line with these two. Uh, and we got that amazing shot. I think that was this match where I can't remember which young lion it was. I wanted to say Alex Coughlin, but it's one of them carrying the referee out, and he's just like holding his head, like oh, like tucked up like a little child. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was um, Coughlin. Mm, that's like, he's got he's got the big boy arms, like big and strong. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, show again. Uh, even in defeat here, he is a future star. He's just got it written all over him. Uh, I personally love his video game music, or like the kind of pixely thing. It's one of those that I get in my head for like the entirety of his match, <laughs> just because uh, <laughs> it, it fits him really. It's, it's weird. It's one of those that when I when I try to imagine what theme would I give him that isn't the Rapungi theme, and it's like no, like I, I would never have predicted this, but it works really, really well. And it, like the the kind of uh, there's a lot of like electricity types of names in his move set as well, uh, with the shock arrow and 
There must be another one. <laughs> There's the, uh, the I think the power breaker is his uh, his, uh, his power that's bomb to the double knees. That's the that's the bugger. Uh, I stop myself from saying bastard, uh, but avoid but destroy <laughs> the algorithm. <laughs> so it <doesn't> work. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the show again looked amazing, and he's done that like every time I've seen him in this kind of setting. So, well, like after the uh, best of the Super Juniors, it's kind of like, oh, it's a bit sad that I get to see. Uh, I I love Rapunky 3K, but oh, the best of Super Juniors, they really showed me like how these guys are like future stars, like they're, they're that promising. And show showed it here once again that uh, he really is extreme, at least as the faces of the junior division. Show is too much of a big boy to probably stay there. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's got a lot. He's he's the one way screams like he's got the most potential. And this, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that their show is going to be a future ace of the junior division. You know, you saw him in, in the best of Super Junior run, and even in this match here, like he has the crowds always invested in his matches. He has great. Um, Facial reactions, great selling, great fire. Um, he has all the makings of of a top star, and I think you know down the line he is going to be the guy that kind of carries that junior division on his back. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. He's he feels he's got there's something. He's got that it factor. And from the moment his music hits and he comes out, he is extreme. He, he can't help but get behind him as well, which is like really really useful. Uh, for somebody. yeah, were you looking for that guy? That somebody like that thing Kushida had, like he had that element where the crowd, aside from the Osaka type crowds, like well, definitely would boo him because boo you, Ace. No, you're you're clean baby face. I'm never booing you. Except for the crowds like that, like he would get them all over, uh, even if they were a bit quiet to start with. Kushida just had that something. Show he he's exactly like he's got that quality that Kushida had, where he can just immediately click with the crowd and get them invested into the match and you're chewing like mad for him by the end of it easily, yeah that's for me, easily like a, at least a future champion if not face the division if not more than that yeah and the crowd um here the san jose crowd was great and they got really into this match and they were kind of um you know living and dying with every near fall and they really wanted um show to win um they, they popped huge for uh phantasmo's use of previous Bullet Club leader's moves. He hit the Styles Clash. He had a V-Trigger and attempted a uh, one-wing angel. Uh, but yeah, the crowd just really loved this. and it, it, was just, it, was a really, it was a great title match and a great way to highlight show, highlight Phantasmo, and also build to their Wrestle Kingdom match as um, Phantasmo and Ishimori are going to be defending against Rapungi 3K on uh, January 4th. Ah, yes they are, aren't they? Yes, I completely forgot about that. I don't know why, for some reason, the undercard's just completely slipping my brain. <laughs> I'm not that ready. <laughs> I am, uh, I don't know what, if if anybody else does this, but when I'm getting ready for Vessel Kingdom, I don't like to just, like, dip. I don't like to just dip my toe in to Japan and just watch Vessel Kingdom and out I am. I'll watch the New Year's Dash as well, maybe, and out I am. That's not quite how I, I like to kind of get immersed in Japan for that short amount of time. Like, I'll play a Japanese video game. And by that I mean it's got to also be spoken in Japanese. I'm, I'm going to be hearing it. I don't just want to be playing a Japanese game. But I'll also like listen to Japanese music as well or like, watch a show or something. I want to get properly immersed in Japan when I'm getting into Wrestle Kingdom. Last year that led me into uh, not even wanting to turn that off and just going into the Tanahashi. So I was like Japan 24-7 <laughs> for like two weeks. <laughs> so that was... Uh, 
Yes, yeah, so I do like to do that, and I'm already in that mode where I'm uh, listening to Japanese music. I'm like man on a mission, man on man with a mission. Why well, have I forgotten the name? Jesus Christ! This video, ta- I'm going to Google it. Video take man with a mission. Jeez, they did the G1 song last year. <laughs> it's like, yeah, constantly on a loop at the moment, and I had to pull myself away to actually watch Monday Night Raw. <laughs> it's like, can't just sit listening to music <laughs> rather than watch wrestling. Uh, yeah, so I'm at that point, but I'm still not glued in enough to be definitely following everything. Like, I'm getting ready for Wrestle Kingdom. That's just, that's my method to my weird madness. <laughs> Don't just watch the show I get properly into Japan for like a short amount of time. <laughs> but. So, uh, which is I don't know why I used that as my kind of talking point to go into the US heavyweight championship match like the one match <laughs> which I didn't need a, a Japanese introduction but Lance Archer who has been absolutely killing it since the splitting away from Davey Boy uh, facing David Finlay and this was one where the way it started I was kind of fearing that David Finlay wouldn't get much in there maybe have a little fight back but you're ultimately like oh Lance Archer is definitely winning they did actually twist that. They did a pretty good job. Because I did have that fear, but that fear was very quickly washed away when um, David Finley's comeback just had something more to it. And Lance Archer kind of kept chopping him down, then he kept coming back up, which uh, I really, really like that. Because for like the first half of this match, I was kind of worried. And uh, it did go 13 minutes. So obviously, if it stayed at that same pace, obviously, he's like, yeah, I like Lance Archer, but I feel like this could have been establishing David Finley. Nope, by the end of it, the crowd were properly cheering David Finlay as he and Juice walked away. Uh, did an amazing job. Uh, that second half where David Finlay did come back, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, this is the best I feel like I've seen David Finlay. Like, he's finally finding his character, and this kind of level is, like, perfect for him right now. I don't know how high he could go, but the fact he's definitely got his character, and as we were talking about earlier, like, establishing he and uh, Juice for Finn Juice and making them, like, a actual contenders for the tag titles uh, I feel like this could be the year where well Juice especially Juice has probably already done it but Finley like properly finds himself and this was a this first match was like a first example uh, yeah it really really worked I was a massive fan of this match even though it was like nothing incredible for some reason I was a massive fan of it yeah I mean it was a, it was a pretty good match and a good kind of tile defense for Lance Archer uh, David Finley, he's come back from injury in great shape. The guy is shredded. And like you mentioned, he's kind of, you know, found himself and really gotten into the character. Um, you, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of an old school mentality when it comes to when guys come back from injuries or you're debuting a new character. I feel like they should kind of go on a, a win streak and you kind of you know, push them and kind of get them over before you give them their first loss. And this was Finley's first, uh, you know, big match back from the shoulder injury, and um, he ends up taking a loss here. And he did have his his moments where he shined, but ultimately, I felt I felt like this match was more about establishing Archer as a dominant champion. And he, you know, he he took most of this match, and he looked great. Had some great spots. You know, he did his his rope walk spot into the moon salt. Um, hit the uh, that cannonball off the apron. He powerbombed Finley and the Young Lions. So Archer looked really good in this match also. Um, and so, like I mentioned earlier, I think um, Finley and Juice, they're going to be um, the team to win the World Tag League this year. And so I, I think I would have liked to have seen Finley get some um, a little bit more momentum going into the tournament this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it starts this week. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so much wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, first, the first World Tag League show will be on Saturday. Uh, what? 
I get up at 8am to write my column uh, and watch Smackdown. Oh, one of us has got a better deal there. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, I like uh, Finjuice. Um, yeah, I think there's a reason we've brought them up without without much like need to. Like, we're talking about it before it was like properly like them on the card. But yeah, they, they're sticking out as especially in a tag team that's pretty barren. Especially like long term, they stick out as a potential team to kind of take over that even and Sonata hole, which surely they're going to be moving past very soon, and they'll be leaving that kind of baby face. Uh, like brothers essentially kind of hole there and Finjuice for me could very easily fill it they're really popular with the Japanese crowds as well so especially Juice <laughs> Juice is over with uh, especially the women with Juice <laughs> as young boys like <laughs> to elaborate nice and PG wise <laughs> nice to <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, yeah I can easily see that next up as we approach the starting of the third hour we told you <laughs> is uh, Naito and Shingo, uh, aka the bit like two of the big. Well, at this point, these these two got the biggest pops of the night, and then of course the main event just blew everything out of the water for like everybody. But yeah. uh, this was establishing Naito as a credible threat to Jay White more than anything, uh, especially with him beating Chase Owens as well. They were able to fight through the Bullet Club nonsense again, which is showing Naito's kind of growth as we talked about with character arc earlier. Also, Shingo's a badass that got across. Like every, he just in his entrance, that comes across. <laughs> He's kind of nailing it home. Um, is Shingo teaming with Bushi at Wrestle Kingdom? No. So um, Shingo is in the World Tag League. He's yeah. teaming with um, Terrible from oh, CMLL, is, yes. who, yeah. who's a member of the uh, the original Los Ingrobanables. Ah, uh, yeah. Because there was a joke that uh, Terrible looked like the. When Shingo started out wrestling, and he was in the two thousands, <laughs> and they just think, what he looked like to begin with, <laughs> and those evolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, Bushi's kind of uh, left out of the cold. It looks like because uh, he's not, you know, he he missed Junior Tag League because Shingo moved up to heavyweight, and they, you know, Hiromo wasn't coming back until the till the very end, and so Hiromo has has his big match, and so um, it's not quite much for Bushi to do right now. I mean, potentially, maybe they could um, end up doing a maybe a, a never six-man match. Maybe. I don't know what yet. Or maybe he's, he's going to end up in a, in a battle royal or something. But I guess, because they like to do, like, when it's the leaders facing each other, they kind of do the lowers facing each other as well. So, the Bullet Club, do they still have the trios? No, so actually, the uh, the Never Six Man champs are um, the team of um, Makabe, Toriyano, and uh, Taguchi. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> what happens when I tune out for a little bit? <laughs> when they come back, it's like that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the Never Six Man belts—they're they are like the lowest belt on the totem pole. They don't get a lot of emphasis. Mm. They don't have main title defenses, and usually. When they do get defended, there's always a title change. But um, that team of uh, Makabe, Yano, and Taguchi, have, they've held it majority this year and have had a few defenses. Um, so, yeah, I'm wondering what's going to end up with those. Maybe they, they end up defending at the Dome one of these nights. Yeah, I was, I was thinking it wouldn't, it's not out of the question for uh, NJPW to do, like with Naito versus White, where it could be Bullet Club versus LIJ, like another six-man just for like the rest of them to kind of do something. Like, that wouldn't feel like super out of the question. But plus, I could also do that on because there's two nights to fill as well. So, any could maybe have one thing leading to the other and they do something there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
other, other than that, I don't know how Bushi's getting on the card unless it's the Battle Royal. Which is a fun thing. I enjoy the Battle Royal. Wait, did they... I, I don't know if I'm having a brain fart. Did they do the Battle Royal last year? No, there was... Uh, yeah, they, they had, mm. yeah, last year was the first year in a while they didn't have the rainbow. Yeah, they did that, they did that um, never um, six-man tag gauntlet. I remember because I both woke up late and then had issues getting in. <laughs> getting into the stream. <laughs> so I I missed the never six-man match or, or matches, whatever. So yeah, that's... And I've not gone back and watched it either. <laughs> so it's that made for an interesting well, movie. So, so. You, you didn't miss much. <laughs> I mean, that's why the Royal works so well. Just because it's just a bit of fun. Like, it's nothing really that crazy compared to the six-man where it's for a title and I feel like that is meant to elevate it, but then it's also in that same bracket of you're not meant to really care that much. Uh, but this year they got the two shows, so that kind of solves that issue. So we get two Battle Royals. Get in. <laughs> <That's what we're laughs> <doing. laughs> uh, but yeah, I, um, I assume that was going to be on the main card now. Now they've got like 16 matches or something to fill. So that's not really that much of an issue. Uh, yeah, they'll find place on the card. What it's going to be, I have no idea. Uh, this match here was again establishing Tetsuya Naito as good as Jay White. No, it wasn't incredible or anything, but everybody got over their characters. Uh, Chase Owens once again, the crown jewel of uh, professional wrestling. He's one of those guys who, even though everyone's now, or most people are now awake to how good Chase Owens actually is, uh, he's whenever I see him, I'm still like, oh yeah, he is good, isn't he? Because he's, um, as Jamman put it on one of the post shows, of why is Jamman in the Bullet Club? Oh, sorry, he's, why is Chase Owens in the Bullet Club? Somebody needs to take the pin, and that's pretty yeah. much why he's in this match as well. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every group has their uh, designated pin eaters. Unfortunately, uh, right now for Bullet Club, Chase is one of those guys, and but he's so good and he's so crisp in the ring. He's a really solid worker. I mean, this year we did see him kind of get an elevation. You know, he had some wins in the New Japan Cup. He had um, that rivalry with uh, Juice for the U.S. title. And he actually picked up a lot of pinfalls in multi-man tags during the G1 tour. This has kind of been a a better year for Chase, and he signed a new contract this year as well. Um, So I think he's a guy that they they do see something in. And um, down the line, I think he will slowly kind of get elevated as um, things kind of shift around. Because he uh, he probably like stepped up in New Japan Cup, and did he get a he got a US Championship match as well, didn't he? Right, because I think he eliminated Juice in the first round, which um, then gave him a uh, a title match. I forget which show is that now, but yeah, he got a title match like the next month, I believe. Oh, because I remember the New Japan Cup predictions, and then like after the first round, like most people just like, oh, well, that's dead then. Yeah, <laughs> so many curveballs. Like um, it's one of those where I remember, I think like you did it as well, where it's just putting. Remember in the New Japan Cup, there are there are, there will be curveballs, there will be surprise winners, so don't just go with the top guys and everybody go, oh, but the top guys will win the first matches, right? No, that's not what Jeremy said. <laughs> 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 yeah, a lot of times, yeah, they do those big upsets um, during the first rounds. You know, Abushi, or Naito got knocked out by Abushi in the first round this year. And a lot of times you'll have stuff where, like, you'll have, like, a, you know, a Fale knocking out Tanahashi or something like that. You'll have, like, these guys that you don't expect to go forward knock out one of the one of the top guys or even, you know, a you know a guy like Juice who's on top of the mid-card. Um, you expect them to move forward, especially if they're a champion. And then next thing you know, they're getting knocked out. 
Yeah, so for New Japan Cup next year, remember the advice that Jeremy's already given you. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure we'll do a contest. So, you know, when you fill your brackets out, really really think long and hard before you uh, submit them. <laughs> like the G1 Climax, I don't know if it's the same for everyone else, but for me it's like a like a full afternoon figuring this out. <laughs> it's not just a skip down. It's like, no, I'm going to predict the booking from the end and work myself back. <laughs> trying right. To figure this out. I mean, I, I think it's the only, that's the only way to do it. Um, you know, yeah. I got the spreadsheet, the spreadsheet out with like all the points, and I'm like calculating, adding up, and making sure the points all work out right, and it all yeah. makes sense. <laughs> was it was it the key, your one where uh, you, you gave like a you did make a spreadsheet available to everybody to figure it out, and it would calculate it for everyone? Yeah, there was a, I forget which Reddit user it was, but there was a Reddit user who made a spreadsheet that oh, cool. as you pick guys, like it added up the points for you. And so, yeah, we had that attached to our contest page to to kind of help people out as they're putting it in. Like I used that, so whoever made that, thank you. <laughs> that helped me out <laughs> so much in doing that. Uh, um, I'm somebody who would have done that myself. Like anyway, I like I'm nerdy enough to do that. <laughs> so, not, not my first video, but the fact somebody that Jeremy made that available, I was like, oh yes, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we've again drifted, <laughs> but yeah, Naito versus Chase uh, Owens—that's what led us down this road. Yeah, uh, establishing Naito, therefore he kind of had to win. But it's not that world where you pin the champions a lot because Jay White's champion for a reason. Therefore, he doesn't get pinned, and yeah, Chase Owens is there to eat the pin, and Shingo's there to look like a badass, <laughs> and he did that really well, as usual. So, <laughs> well done to him. Then we get to our main event. The atmosphere in the room like immediately shifted, like the first hit of uh, the first person's music, which was like it's, just, it's kind of weird to see. Like it hit me with uh, Naito, but because this is the first time they've ran San Jose, you could see with the crowd that some of them were popping like crazy and were absolutely just adoring what's happening just by somebody walking out. Like a woman in the crowd cried when Naito came out. It's just like the emotion, just the fact that of there. I keep forgetting because because we've been going to the US for so long that there are so many states where they never thought they'd ever get to see these people perform live, and the fact that they are where as soon as they come out, you can see that realization hit them. It's like, oh my god, I'm watching this. Like the atmosphere for Tanahashi versus Okada, just that reminder that the American audience never thought they'd see this sort of thing right in front of them. Like Jeremy was there live to kind of feel that reaction. Like you could sense it back home. Like you wouldn't have known that that it wasn't twenty five, it wasn't twenty thousand people in that stadium. It was they were so loud. Uh, same here as well. When Osprey and Okada came out, Jesus Christ, <laughs> they were went absolutely mental. Especially for Okada, he was treated like a god. <laughs> not to not to make him seem like the biggest deal in the world or anything, but yeah, it was like he was a god, and he got an absolutely yeah, I mean- incredible reaction. Yeah, that's kind of like the whole like allure of New Japan of America and doing shows in America. You have these diehard New Japan fans that, what you know, they they never thought they would get a chance to see a New Japan like an actual New Japan show. So, um, you know, they get to, to you know live out that dream and see these guys they never thought they would see. And like you mentioned, yeah, all these guys got huge reactions here. I mean, Okada's a megastar, um, you know, just a once in a lifetime talent and. You know, getting to see him live is just incredible. And, uh, I mean, you have four incredible workers here, Osprey, Okada, uh, Amazing Red, and Kota Ibushi. 
this was a great way to close off the show. I mean, the match kicked off with um, Osprey and Red in there. Like, this is the first 60 seconds. They did this awesome sequence of, you know, kip-ups and flips and Hurricane Rana attempts and really just grabbing the crowd and the crowd losing their mind. And then there's, from there, there's a ton of great back and forth between all four guys. Yeah, that's, uh, it was a bit of a, because when Will Osprey got that injury, obviously just like, <gasps> no, him, we've just come back, we finally get to see it, and now Will Osprey's injured, but he seemed to shake it off relatively well. As far as I know, he was back on it for LA. So, yeah, but it, calm down, everybody, he's fine. <laughs> he's all right, he's not worried. Uh, but yeah, um, amazing, amazing Red is, it's, his story's kind of incredible, where he had pretty much retired, and now here he is main eventing, in New Japan with Okada, like one of my the, one of my favorite bits of the match was just when uh, Amazing Red was up against the corner and Okada was just pointing between them, going TNA, TNA, <laughs> and the crowd gave him nothing. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> just like the crowd, yes. yeah. Like, we know each other from yeah, TNA. Ka- He's like TNA sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okada had his his run in TNA, and Amazing Red was um, during that time. And yeah, Amazing Red was definitely one of my favorite. Um, X Division guys um, in TNA, and I've always been a fan of him. And he's never been pushed in like in, in a major way in a, in, a, in a national platform. And like you mentioned, like he's actually retired like a couple times now, and keeps kind of getting dragged out of retirement. And you know, he retired um, in April. He was supposed to be on some shows during Mania weekend, but ended up pulling out and retiring because of some of the neck issues he was having. And now, um, you know, Osprey made the big push to um, get him out of retirement for the big match at the Super J Cup in the opening round. And now he's becoming a regular for um, these New Japan of America shows. And I feel it's one of those stories where like, he may not have realized the amount of respect he has and that he, does, he has actually left a mark on the industry. Uh, Will Ospreay is one of those people that he influenced. So, and Ospreay's been very open about that. So it's kind of yeah. it's a nice realization moment for Amazing Red. Is like, no, you did have an, a massive effect on this industry, and this kind of run is kind of like the current generation in a way saying thank you. Like, again, it says something when it's the people pulling him back, not him deciding. Oh, actually, I don't want to retire. It's like, no, he gets getting pulled back in because people have too much respect for him. <laughs> they want to. Uh, uh, in a way, it did feel like we're not supposed to saying thank you. We're back in the uh, Super J Cup. And yeah, def- yeah, and he yeah, could definitely. be one of those guys they build, not build, but include in the US shows as well, because the fans love him. They respect him just as much as like the we're seeing with the wrestlers as well. Yeah, so far it looks like the plan going forward. I think he's going to be one of these guys that they reach out to him and like TJP. Mm. I think our guys are going to be see featured often on um, New Japan of America shows and. You know, he's a great name. Fans love him. He has, you know, excellent matches. He's definitely somebody they can rely on um, for these shows going forward. Yeah, and uh, Kota Ibushi as well. He was there doing his taunts with Okada. Uh, I feel like Okada was the bigger dick. Oh, no, that, we've raised that one. <laughs> he was the bigger dickhead. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. The most antagonistic. <laughs> uh, realized, yeah, Okada... yeah, that was like a triple entendre there by accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of times Okada, especially when he's going against a guy like Abushi, will go into almost like a kind of heel role. This kind of gets will get very arrogant, um, and it kind of helps build sympathy for the guy he's going against. And so, 
obviously going into January 4th, um, Kota Ibushi is going to be, I mean, obviously they're essentially both faces, but in this match with Ibushi, I think Ibushi is more loved um, than Okada, and people kind of want to see him get the get the big move since he finally signed a contract. And so I think people are, are kind of in Ibushi's corner here, and so Okada is kind of playing up to that and being that kind of arrogant, um, you know, almost a little bit heelish. You kind of saw that during the, the Kenny feud as well. Mm. Like for me, the best aces can do that. Like even Kushida did that. Uh, like for me, like the best example is Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi. Uh, his match against Goto 2007 if you want to see a, a fantastic example of Tanahashi healing it up like go watch that match <laughs> it is amazing uh, but yeah they have that ability to like read the room and totally heal it up and have kind of nothing holding them back like it's for me that's how I would have liked to have seen John Cena sometimes like instead of going the, oh aren't I controversial that's why you're booing me instead of actually like I feel like in his later years when he was doing like the US title run stuff, he led into it a lot better. It's just that kind of the reading the room of the of the crowd and going full heel essentially with no kind of holds back. Uh, Tanahashi was amazing at it. Okada is again amazing at it. I swear I've seen Osprey do it as well. Like he can just go full dickhead mode, <laughs> and it's uh, just for a night, and it's great to see. He's still the same guy. Obviously, he'll come out the next night, and he'll be like the beloved babyface. And with Okada here, he got an amazing reaction when he came out. Although he realised that he was he's going to be the champion here. He's going to have the like the gusto, and he's going to be the person taunting Ibushi, trying to get that out. And for right. me, that's a and, and, great a kind of trait of a ace champion to be able to do that. Right, and by and by the end of the show, you know, Osprey and Okada won this match, and Okada did the closing promo. By the closing promo, hmm. you know, the fans were you know back cheering him, and he had the crowd in the palm of his hands. Especially with how the match went as well, with, with Will Ospreay kind of being written out and it turned into a card of fighting two people. Uh, it, it switched, yeah, it, it was obviously wasn't a planned switch in terms of, like, Carter was a being a dick and then suddenly the odds were against him and he shows this champion's worth. Yeah, and in the end, Ospreay coming back did even the field, but Okada was by himself for quite a long time and he held his own and he fought against the odds, uh, which is what a champion should be able to do. Uh, and... Obviously, Amazing Red was ultimately there to take the pin. It's one of those where um, obviously it felt like Osprey's not losing, Okada's not losing, and Ibushi's not losing. We all know why Amazing Red's there. <laughs> the poor lad. Like, one of these is not like the other. <laughs> like, immediately stuck out. But, again, it's the, uh, it's, it's the passing of the torch, of the TNA torch, from Amazing Red to Okada. <laughs> they finally get into it. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I'd love to see more Amazing Red. I'm assuming that's kind of why he's been brought back as well, because he made such an impression on both the fans and uh, New Japan themselves. And uh, it did a really, really good job of, as we're saying with Okada being a dickhead, it did a really good job of building to Okada and Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. Just that, that tension is building, it is there. Which, if you look at past builds to Wrestle Kingdom, the best ones for me build that tension like really well, which is kind of my slight issue with Omega Tanahashi. Uh, I on, on paper I liked the idea they had for that build but it didn't really like when I'm watching the New Japan shows I didn't really feel that build of tension and anticipation on the shows themselves this is how I like to see it done essentially uh, they're interacting and they're kind of building via the techniques like what we said earlier where it's in that ring and it's the kind of facial expressions the way they react to each other 
maybe, maybe they'll say a throwaway comment in a press conference type of thing afterwards. This is the perfect example of that happening. And I, I just prefer it like a million times more. Uh, I'm not saying uh, Tanahashi vs Omega was bad because that's not. I don't really think it was bad. I still enjoyed it, but I much prefer this. Uh, and this, yeah, this is yeah, going think, to get me excited. Yeah, I think with Omega and Tanahashi, I think a lot of their build was through press conferences and interviews and social media. They didn't have as as many interactions as like Okada and Ibushi are having right now. Um, and I love the Omega Tanahashi, the feud and the rivalry, but I, I understand what you're saying. We're like, it's great to, you know, see these guys interacting and the facial expressions and that tension kind of being built up in all these multi-man matches. And I'm sure we're going to see more of that um, on the, the Road to Tokyo Dome tours um, in December. Yes. It's, it's kind of, it, it's just one thing, I, one massive phrase I'll have is... Uh, we may have not got Tanahashi and Omega interacting all the time, but then we got the amazing Omega, uh, Okada and Tanahashi like, dream team coming together. So it's kind of like, oh, which one do I prefer? Would I have preferred for Omega and Tanahashi to build like this? Or I get Tanahashi, Okada and that amazing run in December. So, oh, I, I like I like that run so much. <laughs> like my, that run in December was fantastic. So, uh, yes, I had my gripes, but there was major positives. <laughs> so I can't really complain too much. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll say that actually. Like, they've got a hell of a December to follow from last year's December. Like, cause normally I tune out, but there's a lot happening, which was like kind of awesome. I, like, it even got to the point where I remember hitting you up, <laughs> just like, has anything massive happened? I think you were like, yes. I'm <laughs> 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 we just like, oh crap, oh bloody hell, <laughs> it's Christmas and so much happening, and now I've got to watch New Japan as well. <laughs> Luckily, WWE were, I think, at the time at their first of twenty resets. <laughs> so I was able to step away. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, yes, that brings us to the end of the show. We finally finished the showdown. Uh, Okada ended with a, a really, really good uh, ramping up uh, promo to end the show. Uh, also, really great to see. It, it, obviously, it's a New Japan show, so that level of respect was automatically there anyway. But somebody speaking in foreign and the crowd cheer. My God, <laughs> how nice that is. Just. That I'm just so used to in wrestling because it's because WWE have been able to dictate what storytelling is in wrestling and what wrestling is. For whenever somebody speaks in foreign, uh, WWE have dictated that equals boo that person. So it's so refreshing to see a show like this where Okada speaks in Jap- uh, speaks in English, but then switches to Japanese at the end, and the crowd still cheer at every break. It's like oh, that was great to see. Uh, just yeah, a nice little note. Essentially, they were like, yeah, what he said. <laughs> this is the, yeah, it's, it's like, well, I said I was listening to Japanese music. So when you get a song stuck in your head, but but you don't speak Japanese, <laughs> so you don't really know the words. <laughs> so just like, yeah, I, I know this bit, but uh, I can whistle it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I've been in, I'm in their boat at the moment. It's like, yeah, I, it sounded, he had, a, he had a cadence of a good sentence. <laughs> so I'll cheer it. But that just brings us to the end of the show. Uh, thank you for Jeremy for now. This has been we, we've reached like five and a half hours of you talking New Japan this week. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> uh, so uh, Jeremy, do you want to plug all of your stuff? Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy L Donovan. As you guys heard, I also co-host uh, Keeping It Strong Style, which is at Ki Strong Style on Twitter. 
We have new shows every Tuesday on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, which I'm uh, kind of the head honcho of that also, so you can follow us at Social Suplex. And you can follow me at the damn Implicat. That's damn as in damn. Oh, I hurt my throat at half past two. <laughs> and, uh, you can read my columns on lawsofpain.net. I'm currently doing a, a weekly column called Imps Wrestling Adventure where I'll talk about Raw, NXT, AEW and SmackDown in one like 4,000 word column. So it's like Jeremy's Week but in text form. <laughs> it's just like thousands of words <laughs> so that's going up every single Saturday so you want to check that out as well uh, normally I also do a plug for uh, Tito's column which comes out on the same day as well so if you want a more timely column uh, as if he's able to keep up with it it's a massive task I can't believe I've so far been able to keep up with it myself you have to watch like 9, hour, nine hours of wrestling minimum every week it's crazy oh, no wonder uh, people start to get to fatigue that's just, the, that's just the television never mind pay-per-views or New Japan or whatever or, you know, the your life. <laughs> the bins still need taking out. <laughs> like, you can't just stop and just watch a uh, Japanese wrestling all the time. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I'm currently doing. Uh, here on Lots of Pain Radio, I'll be back next week. I've currently got no plan at all. I've not booked anyone. I've not thought, oh, this would be a great time to talk about that. So we'll see where the wind takes me. <laughs> that's fantastic forward booking. But I'll be back at this time next week here live on YouTube and whatnot, just trying to figure out all this stuff with a million things to do before we go live. Uh, but please do check out the other shows here on LOP Radio. Uh, live on Wednesdays, immediately after AW Dynamite, we have got Dynamite After Dark with Jaman and Jeff. So that is, that's gone up on YouTube earlier today, which is also me. There's a lot of things I do on a Thursday. Uh, Friday is Math Plan and Mazza with the right side of the pond. They're currently doing a myth-busting series on the new gen, starting in 95 and working all the way through. So, again, I highly recommend that uh, series. It's very high quality. Uh, Saturdays is reserved for our AEW stuff. Our main running show is currently on hiatus, but the AEW Aftershocks obviously take place whenever there's a pay-per-view, which is just, you know, like maybe four times a year if that uh, Sundays is reserved for WWE Aftershocks for their pay-per-views. Uh, Monday night is Kingdom of Honor with Jam Man and Jeff talking Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, MLW, whatever. Tuesdays is a Global Revolution, which is currently on hiatus as well. Wednesdays is Planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, uh, which is a new format where you get a guest on for and every fortnight the guest swaps, but they'll pick one match and talk about that in detail. Uh, yeah, if imagine that, Jeremy, picking, uh, talking about things in detail. That's so alien to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll be back next Thursday. Uh, what day does uh, Keith Meets Strong Style release on Social Suplex? Uh, so every Tuesday, we release on uh, Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just type in Social Suplex Podcast Network, and then you'll... You'll see Keeping a Strong Style on Tuesdays, and we have a bunch of other great shows on the network as well. Yeah, and just to say goodbye, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy L. Donovan. And with that, I bid you adieu, adios. This has been LOP Radio Live, and it didn't go wrong. High, internet high five. <laughs> it didn't go wrong. Oh, thank God for that. Uh, yes, with that, I bid you adieu, adios, if I can... Clever, clever me, just to say goodbye. I put Jeremy's face on top of the end stream button, so it wasn't there. I'm like, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> I found it, guys. I'm, I'm completely literate. Anyway, uh, video adieu. Adios. See you.
And this is the mini extra for the podcast because I'm not an octopus. <laughs> it takes me time. To... <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, goodbye to the podcast as well. Adios. I think See you, podcasters. Actually, I'll play the theme for you because you're that special to us. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Right. Adios. Ten.